Hello and welcome back to another Millsurf HQ podcast. I'm Tom and I'm and joined by, oh, you could say I'm joined by who? And I'm Kelly. Thank you all for joining. What's up? So today we have the pleasure to speak to a legend in the Millsurf universe, to a man who's been crisscrossing the nation, traversing the globe to acquire great condition Millsurf rifles and putting them on his online shop for over 30 years and counting. And to throw out some teasers, this guest has killed over 100 coyotes as a teenager. He was in a 70s recording rock band. He once owned over 1,700 Swedish Mausers. And he's unironically worn jeans with a sequined heart over his crotch area. We'll get to that later. But uh, <laughs> our guest for this episode is the passionate proprietor of EmpireArms.com. You might know him as the mustache. Please welcome none other than Dennis Crow. Hey, welcome. Hey, thank you. Nice to be here. Nice to be anywhere. <laughs> thank you for doing us. Yeah, glad to have you on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. All well, right. So we'll go ahead and get to our first set of questions. Our first one is we kind of wanted to ask you about uh, your collection and collecting habits. We we heard on your other, other talk with uh, <coughs> when you were on the video with mike b that you only have about 20 guns in your collection crazy and That's we were crazy. wondering <laughs> wondering crazy. you you have access to so many i'm sure you've seen some incredible things like how do you only have t only keep 20 and how do you determine which ones you want to keep well uh it's it's pretty simple really i i don't want to be my own best customer i know a lot of dealers are like that yep and uh, I, I don't want to be uh, any competition for my other customers, you know. So I, I can only keep 20 guns. And, uh, um, and if I find something I simply have to have, I force myself to, to sell something that I already have. Oh so I only have 20 guns. And uh, it's, it, it's a discipline. So are they like sentimental? Can you share some of the 20? Oh yeah, there's there's a, about 12 of them are uh, firearms that I personally captured and have papers on in Vietnam. There what? are uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I I actually sent home 30 firearms and uh got paperwork on all 30 of them, wow. but them grew legs. About six, sixteen of them grew legs, and yeah. uh, never I never received them. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, I, I, but how far did you go to collect these? Uh, were you did you take out the gentleman and then get his his wares? Um. Yes, that Oof. happened a couple times. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So you have that's some amazing sentimental things you have there. Yeah, it really is. You know. One of my best ones is a PU sniper rifle that I was talking to a sergeant that was standing right next to me, and he gets hit in the chest and just was dead before he hit the ground. And uh, I, it was about 700 meters away, and I tried to to localize him. He didn't shoot again, but I I figured out the trajectory and everything like that, and went and hunted his ass down. Oh shit! Nice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It took me two days. So. Wow. But, you know, I was going to ask yeah. this a little later, but uh, is there a book in the works 
or something from you? <laughs> you know, I get asked that a lot. You know, I don't think anybody, I don't think people actually read books anymore. So uh, uh, I, I do, I, I get that asked a lot. I've had a, a lot of different phases in my, I have a lot of fa different phases in yes. my life. You know? Yes, we're going to get to some here. And you, I, and for each section, I was thinking you should write a book about this. You should write. So, yes. yeah, I know, I know, I know. It would be a very long book. And yeah, uh, you've had, <laughs> had quite a life, it seems like. It, it, it could be very boring, but I, I would absolutely make it not boring. So, yeah. Well, you, start, you started with the mill serve. I heard on Mike B's show um, that you uh, started at eight years old with a Lee Enfield number four. Correct. Um, but I was curious, does that now make you, did you become an Enfield guy? Because I heard later on at 12, you had a, a number five jungle carbine. Yeah. So well, did, is that what you I, were? I in England. And it was again, you know, so, so that, 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 that's what you have. That, that's what they had. So that's what you get. Oh, that's right. You were living in England. All right. I was living in England. Yeah. If you want to call that living, I mean. <laughs> but even was, today, do you think you're an Enfield guy? Do you call yourself that? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> Interesting. I I do have an affinity for Enfields, and I still have that one that I got when I was 12 years old, the uh, uh, the carbine. Oh. It's beautiful. Absolutely brand new, perfect condition when I got it. And it's still brand new, perfect condition now. So Beautiful. And our and That's the one they, you use to kill yeah, the coyotes. Put that one to work. No, no, no. I used a, a number four. Okay. <laughs> coyotes. And a, the the number five, to be honest, I shot it three times. I put three rounds downrange when I first got it. And then I picked myself up off the ground after every shot. And I cleaned it. And I put it away. And twice got up the courage to pick it up again. So that was long after the coyotes, you know. Yep. Yeah, the coyotes incident was all 1966 to 1968. So, and uh, yeah, so you were paid $75 each. Yeah, $75 a pelt. Sure. So you had to supply the pelt. So you, you were killing them and, and taking the pelts? No, no, no. I did, I call it pelt. Oh, all right. But I had to. It was the entire animal, and it had to, uh, you had to, to, to show up with the entire animal, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was a messy business, I'll tell you what, you know. Uh, what's, what's really funny is that, that I often did it early in the morning, you know, before dawn, uh, or just right at dawn is when I usually bag them, but I would, um, I'd, I'd throw the coyote in the trunk of my car, and go to school and have it sit in the hot sun all day. Oh, and no. So, and then after school, I would turn it in. And uh, and so my car, you know, uh, you could smell it coming before you heard it coming. I'll tell you that, you know. It got really, really bad. And I there was nothing I could do about it. Were other kids doing this at your age? Or was this, was it, were you weird for doing this? Um, I was kind of weird for doing that, you know. Um, the, uh, all the, the, the kids, the cowboys and stuff like that, the rednecks in, in, in my high school, all of them hated me. 
And uh, mainly because I had a really thick German, um, English accent, you know, really thick. Oh. And, and all the girls loved me. And so, therefore, all the boys hated me. Yeah. Or all, oh, all yeah. the white boys, anyway. The, there were a lot of Apaches that went to that high school before they built the San Carlos High School. And so a lot of uh, Apaches went, went to that high school. And uh, I made really good friends with them because I'm colorblind. I don't give a crap what you look like, you know. Um, it's, it's who you are inside that counts. So, you know, I, I, uh, I've always been that way. And, uh, but the white, white kids in, in, in Arizona high school, they hated all the Apaches because, you know, your grandpa scalped my grandpa kind of thing, you know. Yeah, a little too close. Yeah. Dumbass, you know, really <laughs> very, very stupid. But anyway, uh, it was interesting. Uh, I ended up buying a bunch of guitars, tires, and cars and stuff. Seventy-five bucks a pelt and one hundred and five coyotes. Uh, that's that's some big bucks, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some good money back then. Well, it was it was a hell of a lot of money then back then. It was like a thousand dollars today. So. Then yeah. you left. Then you left and enlisted. Not too long after, though. Right. Uh, uh, what was your reason? You wanted to. You 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 were gung ho to enlist or what? Well, uh, the thing is that I knew I was going to get drafted. And right. it, if you get drafted, you've got you know you're in for four years, and they tell you exactly what you're. And if you enlist, you get a choice of what you're going to do, and you're only in for three years. So. You know, I was going to be a doctor, so I went for medical training and became a combat medic. So, cool. You know, at, at, we're you know we're a Millsurp show here. So, what uh, what guns were you issued at the time? And do you remember your serials like so many people? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh hell no! And uh, every M16 that I was issued, I I managed to kick out of a, a proper door over a blue line. You know. <laughs> I hated the M16. I hated it. Uh, so, yeah, those yeah. were rough back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't work most of the time. You had to really uh, keep them. You had to clean them like two or three times a day in, in high humidity or else they just simply wouldn't work. It was, you know, very close tolerances and stuff like that. So I really liked AKs, but every time I got caught with an AK by brass, you know, they'd take it away from me. And, and, oh, so you, you, know, were just, you were field capture in AKs? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you bet. I was, was going to ask what kind of stuff you would use or capture otherwise. Uh, well, pistols. I, I've got a, a TT-33 that I captured and a, a Makarov that I captured, Chinese Makarov. I captured several Russian Makarovs as well, but I, but I was able to uh, turn them into something else, you know. I'd have all these rear, rear echelon types that wanted wanted the uh, war trophy, but they didn't have any opportunity to get any. So unless they stole it from the post or something, you know. Yeah. Oh well, I'm not bitter. <laughs> well, I don't look out. I don't know if I said it, but thank you for your service. Jeez, it seems like you earned everything, man. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, you were kicking ass for us. I was. I was. I was. <laughs> Well, at, at first, I was trying to make sure that, you know, I, I had a brother killed over there, and I wanted to make sure that I couldn't save my brother, but I wanted to save somebody else's brother, you know. 
So, so that was uh, my entire purpose of going over there. I'm I'm taking note of the chapters in the book. I'm gonna force you to write. <laughs> we got the war, the brother. This is this is all good stuff. You just have to write the book to get to the movie. We'll we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, I'm I'm cloudy though. What you did after you got out of the war and all that? How did you get to the selling Milser on a website? I don't know that story. I know more about your your wild rock and roll days and your animal kills, but. What made you settle down and say, hey, I'm going to sell online? Believe it or not, when I bought the house that I'm talking to you from right now, 32 years ago, I uh, decided that I didn't have, I had, it's got a lot of big rooms and stuff like that, but, but it didn't have a dedicated room for my military collection. And I had about 300 guns at the time. So I thought, you know, okay, I'm just going to sell off the everything all but 20 and um uh and so i started selling online but uh before i did that i i dealt in ancient greek and roman coins and uh i i was pretty very successful with empire coins incorporated and it was a, a very you know very successful company and i went all over the world and uh wrote auction catalogs and things like that for other companies as well as my own. And, uh, but, but I, I kind of got bored with it. And I, when I, I, I started this little offshoot company called empire arms just to sell my personal collection. But, Uh. but it, and and all of a sudden, you know, business was booming on that end, and I was getting bored with the coinage. So I, uh, in two thousand, I I closed the coin company. I kept it open till two thousand, and January first, two thousand, I closed it, and broke a lot of people's hearts, to be honest. But um, I, I I don't know much about the coins, but I, if you ran it like you run this thing, I think I could see how everyone would be upset. Yeah, oh, yeah. Empire Arms is. One of the go-tos for mail service. Well, thanks. And stellar reputation. You said at one point your want list uh, items. No, not one person's ever returned something that you supplied for their want list. Oh uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. We we uh, Amazing. we actually found a little over four thousand guns for people, and uh, and I mean like literally, I'd be at a, a, a show or something, and I. Pick up a gun off of somebody's table and look at it. I I I check my database, and if somebody wanted it, I'd call them right there, and I'd say like, "Okay, here's here's this gun. I'm holding it in my hand, and uh, and uh, this is exactly what the condition is, and this is how much it's going to cost you. You want it, yes or no?" And and we're talking no photos, right? No, no photos. No. See, that's that's the amazing part. No returns ever with no photo purchasing. So yeah. I don't like uh I don't like it returning things or or you know getting thing anything back and but I, I you know you could always return anything that you ever bought from us for any or no reason at all. You know, and uh I didn't care. I want you to be happy, you know. It's what the way it is. Yeah. So you get yeah. get the reputation you got of being one of the, the best dealers out there. Now we stopped the want list service about 
two years ago. Um, we discontinued doing that. And the uh, uh, reason being is that uh, people would say, would contact me and say, well, you never have any SVT 40s or something. Not saying, like, we sold 18 of them last year. And I go, you're lying, you know, because I get your lists and I never saw but two on your list. You couldn't possibly have sold 18 of them last year. Well, I sold them directly to people on the want list, you know. Yeah. When they when they contact me saying that, that on the want list, you know, they've already been looking for it for a long time. If it was easy to find, they'd have found it, you know. <laughs> but and and or if the, you know they found a bunch of crappy ones and they wanted a really really super nice one and they would say that right. and if i found a super nice one i'd contact them and say here it is you know it's a super nice one and i guarantee you're gonna like it and if they didn't i didn't care they could send it back but nobody ever did so for the for the website is the the current one the same one you set up back in like the early two thousands? No, no, it's the same one I set up in nineteen ninety three. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Same one, exactly. And and a lot of people give me crap. Dinosaur site and stuff. You know, you you need to have all this. You know, zippity doo dah. Uh, uh, you know, modern modernized things and and. Uh, so are you gonna say for the record you will not be ever updating to a shopping cart and all that? Well, no, I mean a shopping cart's stupid because we don't have <laughs> we don't have twenty of the same thing. Shopping cart's great if you had twenty of the same thing. If you have something with one serial number, you do a whole shopping cart and then you sell it and it's finished, you know? So yeah. so no, I'm not gonna have a shopping cart now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you've had any any trouble selling these, so oh no, I don't have any no no trouble at all. What part of the country do you think is ordering from you the most? Anything in particular or just everywhere? You're not gonna like this answer. Uh -oh. California. What? California. That's exactly right. I knew you were gonna say what? Yeah, holy cow. Yeah. And and those guys have such restrictions on them right now, you know. Right. Everything everything has to be shipped to a dealer, and uh, oh, especially now, oh my goodness, uh, everything has to ship to a dealer. The dealer has to can charge them anything they want, wow. and it's usually twenty five dollars to do a transfer. Plus, they have to pay California state sales tax on the price and on the shipping. Wow. Jeez. And you're saying they're the number one people still with all that, with all those restrictions? With all those restrictions, yeah. Yeah. They're About half of, my, half of my customers at one point were from California because I, I originally moved to Florida from California and I had a lot of people that I knew and, <laughs> and who, who knew me or knew of me, you know? So uh, I'd, I'd go to a, a gun show in California and, and uh, you know, people would just follow me around uh, and want to see everything that I picked up. You know, they'd, they'd come over and they'd usually buy it. One of them would buy it. If any bothered to look at this thing, then it's got to be cool, you know. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of weird. Not that I wasn't used to weird, but, you know. You've probably seen weird on your road trips, though. Have you seen, like... Uh... You must have met a bunch of characters. Have, 
Have you seen any amazing collections though? Like, uh, you know, gun rooms or safe rooms or whatever it is, bunkers or something. Cause you're, you're always traveling. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I've got a guy, guy in New Jersey that wants me to buy his, his entire collection, but he's in New Jersey and I don't want to go there and buy anything and try to get out of New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, it's it's even it's even more interesting than that. But I can't go into it. But he's got machine <laughs> guns. He's got all kinds of stuff. You know, it's just like what? You know? Wow. Well, so, you, you ever dealt yeah, with any of the NFA stuff, or kind of stayed I out of that know, realm? I decided that when we were going to be a dealer, I ended up selling all of my personal NFA stuff. And uh, when I when I decided to be a dealer, I didn't want to um, um, I didn't want to you know be up my butt with a stethoscope or whatever you know microscope uh, every every day. Uh, I I didn't I didn't want any kind of grief, so I decided I was going to sell all my personal collection and everything. So I did, and then uh, about fifteen years later. The one of the main guys that I sold a bunch of guns to uh, had brain cancer, and uh, he wanted to wanted to know if I wanted to buy him back. And I said, "Hell, I can't afford him." And he goes, "You don't understand. I just want my money back. You always treated me right, and uh, if you'll give me give me our, my money back, that'll be fine. Just like putting money in the bank. Uh, right. I just you know, want it want it back." And uh, it was it turned into something very interesting. So I did purchase some of the NFA stuff back, but it's not for sale. No. Do you say no to any other items? You don't want to deal um, with NFA. Well, is it? Yeah. What about like military or accessories, gear, that kind of stuff? No, we don't really deal in anything that that doesn't go bang. But um, <laughs> I also don't deal in in modern. Uh, um, like assault weapon, you know, and I'm using my fingers as quotation marks, you know. Right. But uh, uh, I, we, I don't want the grief from from that. We also don't sell to the public, so you know, I ATF pretty much leaves me alone because I I don't get we don't do any 4473s or at all, and right. um, we only okay. sell to dealers and licensed collectors. We don't sell. We're not uh, open to the public at all, so don't need to be. Yep, that's a good way of doing it. How far back do you go? I've seen Mauser 71 black powder. I've seen, I think I've seen some Gras rifles. Do you ever go back to, I, I can't remember, flintlocks and percussion? And uh, Sure, we have. We have, but those were not usually conserved very well, you know? And... Um, uh, because the con conservation of a, of a military firearm was not an issue until uh, after World War One, you know, uh, because the government gave this to me to use, but it's not mine and I don't care about it. And um, uh, and so they just let it go to hell. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it nobody cleaned their weapons back in those days. Uh, you know, you ever you ever see a, a Western where you. Where somebody's like meticulously cleaning their gun? No, <laughs> you know they they shoot it. You know they they shoot. We were watching this Billy the Kid thing, and Billy the Kid is sitting there. He, he shoots about fourteen times with a six shooter, 
without reloading. But does he ever clean the damn thing? No, you know, it's just uh, will be rusty in a few days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it doesn't care. That's why there's no Wild West handguns either on the site. Much. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever had any famous or celebrity uh, customers? Um. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. Now you could tell us either who they were or what they got, but you <laughs> maybe you can't say both. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd rather not. How about what uh, profession? Uh, well, I've I've had uh, actors. I've had, uh, um, you know, I, I was a, a member of the Screen Extras Guild in Hollywood, California, for you know quite a few years. I lived out there and and was an extra in movies too. Oh, so, right. Let me put this in the book. Right. Put it Hollywood chapter four. Next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Blues Brothers movie and cool. and you know several. Uh, I was in several Chuck Norris movies actually, <laughs> and uh, you know and and other uh, a Star Is Born and uh, things like that. You know. Wow. Yeah. So I I knew a lot of ac actors. I knew a lot of musicians. Still do. You know. I've I've never uh, considered it. Anything other than, you know, a job that, you know, somebody else does, you know, they've got their job, I've got my job, and theirs isn't any cooler than mine is. So, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't let it get to my head, and I don't put anybody on a pedestal either. So, you know. Right. Their, their job's cooler than mine is, I'll just say that, but they are. <laughs> but, I, but I don't put them on a pedestal. It's different. You know, every job, <laughs> no matter what, you know, touring musician comes with uh, its own set of problems. You know, you you don't know where you are. Every town looks the 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 same because you're inside a taxi cab, or you're inside a limousine, or you're inside a hotel room, or you're on a stage, and all the people look the same. And and it's just uh, you know, you go like, hey, Chicago, and they go like, no, we're in Cleveland. You know, stuff like that. You know, it happens. <laughs> yeah, I guess every job could get annoying. Yeah, 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 and you don't, and you don't know who your friends are. It's very, very hard to tell who your friends are because everybody wants something from you, you know. And it's just, uh, it's then same thing with actors, you know. And uh, so, I mean, Robin Williams was a good friend of mine, but oh, you know, cool. yeah, but you know, I didn't treat him like Robin Williams either, you know. <laughs> Right. So yeah, it's well. You were you were in that scene, so you got to be closer. Yeah, yeah. And I it, and it, it's not that. It's it's just that I I always treat everybody the same. So you know, and they they kind of like take notice of it, and you say like, what? You know, hey, don't you know who I am? Yeah, yeah. You know what? You 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 know, don't you know who your my father is? Why didn't your mother tell you? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, I think we got a a few more questions related to the business. All right. So, what's been the biggest difference that you've noticed from like when you started the business to to now? Like, like changing customers, changing like trends of what people want, or buying and selling trends. Well, the 
the um, supply has completely gone to the crapper, you know, because we used to buy a lot of of, of uh, guns from overseas and import a lot of things. And everything that could have been imported has already been imported almost, you know, 99% of it at least. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, people go like, hey, when are you going to get in some more 98Ks? Probably never. You know, like this is terrible news. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as uh, uh, one of my customers who has thirty of them dies, you know that's bad thing. But that's that's pretty much what it is, you know. But right. there, there's not, you know that 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 one horde of guns from Ethiopia, that was just that a certain. Yeah, we, we uh, we're, we're going to bring that up in, in a little bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> just have a couple of questions on that. Good. But um, you had yeah. once almost two thousand Swedish Mausers, and I heard you tell this story. But could could you just remind us how you convinced and all the <laughs> ammo companies to produce six point five Swede that we are all enjoying now, even to this day? Well, um, that was funny because I had. I got 1,700 of them from a company who owed me money, and and uh, and I and they were never going to pay me, so I had to take I had to take these off their hands, and um, and I was selling the long ones for sixty nine dollars, the short ones with the scrape bolts for eighty nine dollars, and the short ones with the bent bolts, the Husqvarna's, for ninety nine dollars. So did and, they have, the person that owed you money? They didn't have money because they just bought seventeen hundred Swedish Mausers. No, they didn't have money because they were because because they had glue on their fingers. Okay, yeah. all right. They're very very notorious for for you know once they got the money they they could not possibly let go of it. So, uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. But but anyway, uh, uh, I had after a year. Um, and like I said, I was selling them, but I wasn't really. We we were selling them very slowly, because why would you pay sixty nine dollars for a rifle when a box thirty five bucks, a single box twenty rounds, Norma, and so you're not going to buy a, a rifle for sixty nine right. or even ninety. The price of the rifle. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the ironic thing is that if you wanted to use that for hunting. A box of shells could last you five years because you wouldn't miss with it. <laughs> <laughs> they were so accurate that, you know, you, unless you had three or four deer tags and nobody did. So you, you had know. 1,700 like great condition Swedish browsers. Oh, yeah. They were all in excellent or better condition. Oh. You know, super duper ones. So I, I hand picked them and I knew what I was looking at and I, you know, and I, I didn't. Pick any of the dogs. I just got the cat, <laughs> you know. Very but nice. uh, but after a year, I still had fifteen hundred of them. Oh, and shit. after two years, I had like thirteen hundred and eighty of them. You know, nobody was buying them because it, they they were just selling so slowly because you couldn't get ammo. So, so how much was like a box of thirty odd six at the same time, or something like that? Oh yeah, thirty odd six was was easy to get. How much was it? Like five bucks a box? Ten bucks? Uh, well, thirty odd six is about three or fifty or four dollars a box. Crazy. 
oh, yeah. 30 yards. So, 10 times cheaper, yeah. 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 And, you know, it, um, uh, the SHOT Show in 1995, it was 94? No, 95. SHOT Show in January of 95. I walked around, and I walked up to these manufacturers, and I walked up to Remington and say, hey, uh, are you going to make any uh, 6.5 by 55? There's really a demand for it, need for it. And they said, oh, no, hell no, we can't make any money at that. And I went to Federal, same story. I went to Winchester, or, you know, Remington, all these companies. Not, uh not interested. I went to Hornady. I'm talking to Steve Hornady, and I said, like, hey, uh, you know, you, you know, six five is a really, really great cartridge. Too bad nobody makes it. And he goes, you know, that's a great idea, Danny. I, I think, you know, we're gonna put that on our our list on our on our agenda, and we're gonna start producing it. How many rounds you want? I said, uh, I'll I'll take a hundred thousand rounds. And okay, well there we go. That's our first order. We're doing it now for sure. Hell yeah, you don't have to pay me nothing. You know, just uh, at, I'll I'll ship you the ammo with the invoice. You know, so so then I walked over to Remington and said, hey, uh, you guys really screwed up because uh, you know Steve Hornady right over there. He's he's gonna. And then I went to Federal and I went to Winchester and said him said the same thing. And they would go up to Steve and say, like, hey, are you really going to do 65 by 55? And he goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, got a big fat order for it, you know? Oh, crap, you know? So they all started producing it. And uh, we sold out of those. We had about 1,350 by that time and uh, sold out of them in about three months. Wow. So, yeah, that's all you wow. needed. Wow, you yeah. had it for years. Yeah. Wow, uh, you're wheeling and dealing, and that's those are big names, Remington. Yeah, Hornady. they were. It was like they were uh, selling the shells for twelve ninety five, you know, and uh, and and for twelve dollars ninety five cents. Oh hell yeah, you know, and the reloadable thing. Yeah, you know, I had uh, a couple of people I talked into writing articles about how wonderful the car, the the caliber was, and. <laughs> different uh, magazines and hello you know shooting times and stuff like that hello so <laughs> Smart uh, way to do it. well i had to do something then i ended up uh i found out that sweden was uh selling off their all of their mausers and uh and i you know how many could they possibly have you know twenty six thousand. whoa so yeah <laughs> So I go to Stockholm and go to the auction to buy these Mausers and and uh, I'm bidding and it and it was like okay going once going twice up oh we got another bid okay no. so I bid again going once going oh we got another bid now I'm looking around I couldn't see anybody bidding you know but <clears throat> finally it got up to a point where it was kind of stupid so I decided. Oh help! What the hell? I'll let them have it, you know. Oh and, man! Yeah. So they, so they bought it. It was Samco Global Arms. Oh. And, oh. and one of the guys from Samco comes over and says, "Hey, Denny, what did we just buy?" You know, but it ah. included a thousand sniper rifles, the forty-one Bs. Right. Oh. Yeah, I remember they had those. And uh, and, and and all kinds of stuff. And then. They they sold them all of their ammo. 
so now they have Milserp ammo, 40, you know, the, the um, uh, 1941 uh, sniper ammo, not the crap ammo, the, the, the regular ball ammo. They, they sold them the Sprit Psyche sniper ammo. And they sold them to, to, to Samco for almost nothing. And it was very, very weird situation. Samco ended up, you know, ended up doing this. Uh, uh, they they bought the, the things in Swedish marks. And then the Swedish mark was devalued by almost half. So they mm. ended up paying half of, of, you know, what I would have e- easily paid for this stuff. And they they had a couple of years to pay too. So, oh man, yeah, they, yeah. So they made out. So they made crazy. out. You, you almost had twenty seven thousand Swedish rifles. Wow. Yeah. Well, over the years, I mean, I bought over uh, ten thousand Swedish Mausers from them, and uh, and and a whole bunch of snipers too, hundreds of snipers. So what what, did you, what were you, what was your plan if you if you got all these because weren't weren't you still operating out of your out of your own home? Yeah, pretty much. Well, we had oh, we got a warehouse and stuff, but you know we'd have to get a much bigger warehouse. <laughs> but no, my plan was to to actually uh, you know go in a couple of extra wives, go into cahoots <laughs> with, a, with a couple other uh, dealers, and and uh, you know I I wasn't gonna try and. You know, at at the time we had we had more employees and stuff, so it wouldn't have been too bad. But but anyway, it, it uh, as it was, you know, I mean, I would just go down to Miami. I, I flew my own airplane down there several times to buy Mausers. Uh, really had a interesting time doing that. But uh, I would just drive down to Miami and and fill up my van and. Fill up, and I also had a big trailer and fill it up too, with uh, Mausers and snipers and stuff like that. Come back up here and and list them and sell the hell out of them. You know, sounds like uh, a lot of our daydreams. Yeah, sounds like a get fly down, fly down, get some mill serves. Yeah, sunny, sunny weather. Yeah, yeah. I used to fly up to Vermont also to buy. Guns from a certain company, and uh, and they, you know, they would they would um, contact me and tell me, you know, they they just got in this group of stuff, and I would jump in my airplane, fly up there, and by the time I got there, either they didn't have it anymore, they didn't have it anymore, or the 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 stuff that they they got that was so beautiful turned out to be absolute crap. That I wouldn't buy, but I could, you know. I always bought something from them. You know, I, I'd, uh, I always came back with some really good stuff. Got the eye for it. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything you regret passing on that you easily could have purchased? Not that you got outbid, but looking back, like, oh shit, that was a that was one I should have taken. Well, not really, not really. That's uh, good. I'm uh. I mean, I've got a pretty good eye, and I know pretty much what I want to get. I, I mean, I did buy a whole bunch of those unissued Irish contract Enfields, and um, at one point I had 160 of them, and uh, including like 30, 
consecutive numbered ones and stuff like that. And they were all in mummy wrap. And, and uh, most of them had m- matching number bayonets and stuff like that. And I wish I'd bought more of those. But, oh, yeah. but as, it, as it was, you know, I, they weren't running out the door, even even though I wasn't charging very much money for them. You know, it would be it'd be nice if I just kept all of them, but you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I buy guns and sell guns and use the money that, you know, that um, a lot of dealers, uh, there are some people that some consider my competitors who have like hundreds of guns in stock, but they never sell anything because they they uh, have to have the last nickel for it. And I don't I don't think that way. You know, how do you get prices? How do you? Do you look at Gunbroker or other sites to, or you just have the, you've been doing it long enough, you know? I've been doing it long enough, I know, or at least I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, Gunbroker is is all over the place. I, I you can't count on Gunbroker for anything, to be honest. Yeah, your prices are always pretty spot on. I'd say. Yeah, I try. I try. You know, it's a. <laughs> I mean, there's there are some things that are on our webpage now that haven't moved, and I guess my prices are not so spot on on those. But, but, um, but it's very, very, you know, like maybe one percent of the things that I bought in the last year. You know, well, you so, and you also don't negotiate. You're very firm with your prices. Oh yeah, very firm. And no trades. No trades. Like, but if you take six hundred for the Martini Henry, I'd take it off your hands. Just for... <laughs> um, yeah, but you don't know what I paid for it. And sometimes I, 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 I do sell things for less than I paid for it. You know, just to to, to make somebody happy and to free the money up for other things. You know, it's just uh, that's amazing. I, mean, I make mistakes too. You know, but I, uh, it's it's funny that. When I go to buy a collection from somebody, they're going like, "Well, you know, I paid X amount of money, and I got to have that." And I'm like, "I I don't care what you paid for it. <laughs> you know, I know what I can get for it, and unless you bought it from me, you know, because um, anything you bought that was been purchased from us, we guarantee we'll pay at least eighty percent of you know what it what it was." And nobody else will give that kind of guarantee. Absolutely not. No way. And you've purchased back like hundreds of people's guns, right? Haven't you? Oh, yeah. Thousands. Many thousands. Wow. Oh, yeah. You've got, you've, you've got whole collections back from the yeah. widows at times as well. Oh, sure. Sure. And when we, we treat the, you know, the widows very, 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 you know, overly generous, to be honest. I mean, you know, I'll buy all the dogs as well as the cats. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, I'll, I buy collectors' mistakes, you know, and stuff like that. I, I mean, uh, if the collector's still with us and he's going to be with us for a while, I'll let them try and sell them themselves. But uh, some widow that doesn't know anything about guns, I'm not going to say, well, you got to sell this crap. To somebody else because I don't want it. You know, we'll buy everything, and including modern guns, including you know, Good. commercial everything. We we will. And with the commercial things, we usually I'll pay about what I can get for them. 
I don't, I try not to make money on those things, you know, but, but I, I, I figure what I, what I ought to be able to get for him from another dealer or something, you know? Yeah, that's good. It's good to be trustworthy like that because like my gun stores here, I, I think if my wife went in and tried to sell them, they would try to get every dime out of her, even though they're nice guys, quote unquote, it's, you know, business wise, they'll just try. Yeah. Yeah. And it's business, you know, and it's, it's, that's, it's not the, uh, you have to uh, live with yourself too. Yeah. I mean, I look at myself every day in the mirror when I shave and, uh, and I do shave by the way, but, uh, (laughs) not the mustache, but, uh, but I want to be able to, you know, like what I see, not, not, you know, say, oh, there's, there's that cheating bastard, you know, (laughs) but, (laughs) Buddy. Speaking of the mustache, that was going to be one of one of our next questions. Uh, we're going to ask, uh, when did that start, or why did you decide to go with that? Um, about two thousand, I guess it was, when um, when I discontinued being a coin dealer, I decided I was going to grow myself a a righteous mustache, and and uh, because you know, as a coin dealer, I mean, like literally, I was three piece suits. And, you know, so slicked down and everything like that, you know, because you're dealing with all these these uh, uh, pompous jerks and stuff. And I mean, it just it wasn't me. Right. It it just wasn't me. So I decided uh, that I was, you know, going to, you know, like when I got out of the army, I decided I was never going to cut my hair again. You know, so so I didn't for a very long time. (laughs) So we kind of touched upon the uh, current market a bit, but since the pandemic, have you noticed a big a big change or just temporary change at the time? And now we're back to normal, quote unquote normal. Um, we're not back to normal in, by any means. Uh, there's very few handguns that are being traded right now. Um, I can't find anybody that wants to sell their handguns. You know, it's um, wow. Uh, yeah, that's and the next uh, market to watch. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, uh, that's why we've had so many, you know, rifle lists and stuff like that. And lately, when I when I get a, a small group of handguns, it's not even worth putting that list out. I'll I'll just arbitrarily, you know, stick them on our regular pistols page and not tell anybody. Just see if people notice. Or I'll I'll say, hey, yeah, we added some guns to our pistols page. Have a look, you know. And what do you say? Did you used to see a lot of say ten years ago that you definitely don't see anymore? Oh wow! Like they're saying the pistols are drying up. Is there anything like G forty ones or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, there never was a lot of G forty one. Sniper rifles of all types are just very, 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 very elusive. And uh, and that's because people think that they're worth a lot more than they are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the assembled uh, sniper rifles are going for a lot now. They're catching up. Yeah. Like the fake ones. Oh, you mean like the PUs? Yeah, like, a, the, P, like the repro scoped PUs. Yeah, yeah, somebody just bought all the parts and put them together. Right, yeah, but you know, everybody who has an assembled one says, "Oh, yeah, this is definitely ri- original." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
okay. If that's what you think, go ahead. Keep on thinking that, but it's not true, you know? Yeah. All the older vets and older collectors dying off that we're hearing about, like, what, what are they holding on to? What's going to be the next thing to then, you think, flood the market? These older guys, what are they holding I, on to? I really don't know. Um, a lot of the older, and I see a lot of the older guys, like, at these shows, you know, but um, uh, they're, you know, the World War II guys are almost all gone now. And, uh, you know, their their things are all pretty much dispersed. There's, uh, you know, Korean War guys, but they didn't bring hardly anything home. And uh, what are the Vietnam vets into, and you're that you've seen? Um, I don't really talk to them much anymore. I used to a lot, but yeah, no, nobody was crazy like me and. Brought home thirty <laughs> firearms, you know. Some of them might have brought home one or two, but but uh, you know, and they threw away the paperwork as soon as they got home. You know, just um, you still have all your paperwork, you said. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Wow, that's cool. For thirty firearms, so are you gonna yeah. are you gonna photograph that and put it up somewhere, like a little uh, museum? Nah, ah. I don't I'd like to see that. Yeah, they're. There were a bunch of things that that grew, like I said, that grew legs that that I'm never going to see again. But uh, one of the, one of the things I had a a half brother that was staying with my dad, and he wasn't even my dad's kid, you know, but uh, one of my mom's sons, and um, he he was much older than me, and he was staying with my dad while I was in, in uh, Vietnam, and. A package arrived, and he absconded with it. It was a sniper rifle, a PU sniper rifle. Oh. And uh, in 1997, he was involved. He had a, a very bad accident where his car flipped over and landed upside down in the river in Cody, Wyoming. And he was killed. And they, they going through his, um, you know, belongings and stuff, they found this rifle. And a note that said, this rifle belongs, belongs to my brother, Dennis, you know? Ah. So, so they called, they gave me a call, letting me know that he had died. And then, it, and then the next breath, they said, oh, by the way, we have this rifle that, that belongs to you. And uh, you want it back? And I said, duh. <laughs> Absolutely. Shit. Yeah. Wow. That's so many years later. That's glad you got it back. Yeah, me too. But I'm, you know, sad that uh, he 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 had to die. But you know, yeah. yeah. But he did steal it. So, yeah. <laughs> but he didn't consider it stealing. You know, it, it showed up, and as far as he was concerned, I was going to die anyway. So, you know, wow. he was just he was just holding it for me. You know, <laughs> yeah, he just borrowed it. Yeah, he also borrowed my dad's wallet and disappeared. <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> so for the 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 future of the milser market do you do you foresee prices ever kind of stabilizing or coming back down or probably always going to continue going up as more and more people get into the hobby well i'm not in favor of of rising prices at all you know because that just means i have to pay more for stuff you know and yeah and then try to justify you know the my higher prices which you know 
I don't like to do. But I think that's that's possibly the only only possibility. You know, I mean, I don't think originally, you know, when I decided I was going to close my coin business, my ancient coin business, I, I figured I could just do this for a while until it, until they make it illegal, you know, and ban all the guns. And then I could just turn around and that's why I never burned any bridges. You know, I could go back and, and become a, a coin dealer again and, and uh, just take off from where I, I stopped, you know, and. Uh, oh, yeah. And and actually, that that's not a a, a bad thing. I I just went to a a coin show in, in New York City in January, and I uh, got treated like a rock star. You know, when I walked through the the place, everybody was just running, jumping up and running up and grabbing oh, a hold, hugging me and stuff. And, oh my god! On that nice suit. Uh, no, I didn't actually. I was oh. yeah, I was just wearing my clothes. You know. And uh, I mean, I look nice, but you know, <laughs> I didn't look like like uh, somebody that you'd cross the street to avoid, you know. But <laughs> but uh, but they knew it was me. Uh, we were talking about RTI earlier, and if people don't know, Dennis was actually he had first dibs on the Ethiopian cash, and I think when he was knee deep in goat shit, he said no. Is that when it was? <laughs> it was two thousand six, and. Uh, <laughs> And I was in Addis Ababa for like, well, four days. Wow. Looking at this stuff, and uh, and it was grim. I'll tell you what. There were some things I would have bought the M1 carbines because they were still in crates, and they were pretty nice condition and, and not covered in goat shit. But Was it all or nothing? You had to buy all but, of it? Uh, uh, I had to buy all or nothing. And so I said, no, no. Oh, well, we make you a very good price. And I said, like, look, if you if you taped a hundred dollar <laughs> bill onto every single one of these rifles and tried to give them to me, I wouldn't take them. I mean, literally, that was exactly what I told them. And right, so I was, gonna say, was it about the condition? Was that the it's a, it was a hundred percent about the condition? It was a hundred percent about the condition. Yeah, there were some really, really, really super cool guns in there, but there was just no way. It was all rusted, shut, and uh, rotten, you know, rotten wood attached to rusted metal. It just, there's no way. You know, it, a lot of those guns were tossed into a solvent tank for a week, and then they couldn't take and, and use a hammer to try to open the bolt up. And sometimes the bolt handle would break off, and the bolt would not open. I mean, just no way. No, uh and there were. It sounds like if you gave cavemen a bunch of Millsurp rifles. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, there were bugs that lived and died in the bores of a lot of those things, you know. Uh, and I, I wasn't going to have it. And they, and they go a lot. And it was, they were cheap. They were offered to me at about forty percent what uh, uh, somebody paid for them in the end. So. Wow. You know, but no. And I had time to pay. They they said oh, we'll give you terms and stuff like that. No, sorry, don't want them. Ain't ain't gonna do it. You Who's know, doing I, the wire wheeling? When was that taking place on all of those? Oh, it's done here, done in Florida. They wire wheel it here. Mm -hmm. You bet. Oh mm. my god, why? Oh, because it because you can't get through the crap that 
that's caked on them, you know, and oh. and rust and clumps of, of 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 stuff. You know, they're just horrid. They're just absolutely horrid. Many of them were not recognizable for uh, unless I unless you really knew the stuff. There's no way you'd be able to identify what kind of gun they were oh trying to be. Wow. Yeah. It was a, a, I'm, it, I have never been more happy not buying something than that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> no. I mean, I went to Ecuador and I saw a bunch of, uh, of uh, and this was a long time ago, several decades ago, but I went to Ecuador and, and, uh, and saw a bunch of like, uh, 1871 slash 84 and uh and Gavir 88 Mausers and they were just stacked up you know in the open <laughs> and, uh, at 14,000 feet you know went up there in a helicopter to look oh at my God. and uh and uh no I couldn't buy those <laughs> either. they were much much nicer. How, how many of those how many were there uh, do you oh. think they made it to America eventually yeah, they did. They did. Gibbs had them, and uh, uh, but but they were they were pretty grim. The Gibbs ended up um, having wood made for the the seventy one eighty fours, and uh, had stocks made for them, and uh, and had to replace all the springs and stuff like that, you know. But at least those things you could access and stuff, you know. And there weren't bugs up there at that altitude, so. <laughs> You know, it wasn't it, it it wasn't so bad, uh, but but still, you know, they were they were not uh, acceptable condition for me to buy. You know, but but it did go and have a look. You know, had a with how, how many in the Ethiopia cache? How many total do you think there were? Uh, thirty three thousand thirty four. You know, I'm not sure. You couldn't really tell. You couldn't count the damn thing. <laughs> you know, they were just stacked and stacks and stacks of them with goats <laughs> bouncing around on top. <laughs> That's a damn shame, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was in a little shed, too. You know, it's like a barn. You know, but not, not uh, you know, there's no climate control whatsoever. See, I thought maybe there was an issue with importing and the logistics of that, and and that you just didn't want to bother. Oh no, but... no, no, that wouldn't have been a problem. Most of the things were antique. Are you still looking? Like, if another one comes up, would you go fly to some country and look? Sure, sure. Oh wow, cool. I would if if there was, but I don't think there is. But yeah, I, I I'm up for that. And uh, I we were, you have your own plane. You fly your own plane, right? Well, not anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I sold my plane. Ah. When Deb and I got together, she had four airplanes. So, uh, you know. And we just had our eighth anniversary, our eighth wedding anniversary yesterday. Oh, congrats! Hey, congrats! Hey. All right, it's time for a quick game of trivia. Okay. All right. So this is the part of the show where we get topics we want to talk about and different random cool facts and stuff and give it to the listeners. So easy peasy, just yell out the answers. They're not going to be hard. Okay. All right. Here we go. Question one. 
After the Walter factory was destroyed in World War II and production was prohibited in Germany after the war, Walter contracted a company in this country in 1953 to make all post-war PPs and PPKs until the Gun Control Act of 1968 went into effect. France. Correct. <laughs> so my follow-up question is, do you care much for the commercial and post-war stuff as much? Do you like... You still look at it, but you just don't buy it, or? Oh no, I I still look at it, but it, it, if it's still in production, if it, I I'm pretty much out. I try not to to buy things that are still in production, but um, if they're of a military type, uh, that's what that's what I like. Uh, we we don't really do any kind of commercial, uh, you know, sporting kind of guns and stuff like that. I had some sporting kind of guns that I just gave to an auction company uh, like a week ago that, uh, you know, and they were really, really cool things, but, but I, they're just outside of my boathouse, you know? Yeah. Most of the list is right in my boathouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, so I appreciate it. All right. Question two. In the mid-1930s, an estimated 1,000 Model 1903 rifles, Springfield rifles, had the stock assembly and front and rear sights removed, the trigger staked in place to make the rifle intended to be inserted into and fired from a large artillery coast gun or a low-cost, short-range training rifle, uh, gun, cannon gun, and were designated this. Oh, I don't know what that designation was. I, I don't deal in those things at all. But I have a Swedish, I got a Swedish Mauser that, that was one of those things. It's really well, weird looking. They, it's the 1903A2, they called it. The, oh, they okay. actually put an A2 on it. Oh, that's right. So my, I want, do you get many or see many like trial or experimental rifles like during your searches? Not hardly ever. Wow. Yeah. People are holding on to those. I guess they. <laughs> um, I just try to, to you know, do the the uh, uh, average, you know, what would actually be issued to a soldier, you know, and not that something it? that that was designed and not put in production. So, how often do you come across something that you just don't know what it is? Not very often. Not very often at all. Yeah, it seems seems like you know your way around them pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, I try, I try to. Right, question three: A firearm found with a round stock cartouche marked with these two words is the most common way to verify that it was captured by the Germans during World War One. Deutsches Reich. Correct, Deutsches Reich. So, I guess Russian captures would be the most capture, but. Do you get many capture rifles? Sure, sure, a lot, especially Finnish captures, you know. But um, so the uh, Finnish have the SA, the Austria, Austria, Hungary have the AZF. Are there any other ones that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's quite a. Uh, the, there's we just had an Austrian capture, um, uh, Mosin on uh, Type ninety one on our website and OE. Uh, WG. Yeah, uh, I, I don't expect them to last long. When I see those, I'm like, all right, that's going. Yeah. <laughs> People love that bit of history. It actually didn't. 
it, it was an antique too. It was on an antique receiver, and it didn't sell right away. It it actually made it to our regular rifles page and lasted for about a half a day on that. <laughs> you know, I purchased a capture from you, a Russian capture, because I wanted a Czech K98 and a Russian capture, and I it just checked both boxes. So, oh yeah, that was, and it's still a great. I know people have problems with the Russians and the you know changing the the finish on it and writing all um, over it, but still yeah, those things were not gates. gonna. They weren't going to be worth anything. I mean, I, I, I was told, you know, by by all these uh, so-called collectors, high-end collectors, that these things were worthless and junk and all this kind of stuff. And I almost believed them, too. But Not now, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, they've got their own. I mean, I, I've actually met people in St. Petersburg who worked, who we're put to work in the mid fifties, putting these things back together again. You know, oh, they, cool. they had uh, uh, German prisoners uh, completely disassemble these things, except for not completely. They, they didn't uh, take the, the barrel off of the receiver, but they took all the other parts off and threw each piece into these little bins that were the size of dump trucks, really huge bins. Uh -oh. And, and uh, and all the cleaning rods, for instance, and the and the uh, the capture screws for the bolt act uh, the action bolts, they they got thrown into a, a, a big bin and and they were melted down to make tanks. So that's why well, it's, it's, of... it's like a Millsop collector's nightmare. Picturing all the guns yeah. being destroyed, disassembled, melted down. Well, you know, they they only melted down the and they melted down. <laughs> Anything that was not a 98K, you know, they had a whole bunch of 9840s and they had a, a whole bunch of uh, a Gewehr 98s and stuff like that. They, they went immediately into the vat to be melted. Oh, no. And oh, yeah. By them, them tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, they they all um, got so that's interesting. That, that's you, you see the production numbers. You assume that's how many are out there. But you hear oh, about no. how many are getting destroyed. Thousands. Yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, but during the mid '50s, after they cleaned up the uh, the uh, uh, war damage and stuff like that, they decided that to keep the Russian populace from just drinking vodka and fighting, beating the crap out of each other all all day because they were bored, they decided to have a make work project, and they had a bunch of of like the populace, tens of thousands of people. That that whose job was to put these things back together again, the 98Ks, and they they would take a, a part out of a bin and and see if it fit. And if it didn't fit, they throw it back in there and they take another part, make it fit, and um, and and put them back together again. Of course, they didn't try to match serial numbers or anything, but you know they. Right. Uh, Don't but, worry, they had the electro pencil guy there to. The electro pencil guy, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and uh, that's that's all they really cared about, you know. If the thing worked, came together and turned into a functional weapon, that was fine. And they were utilized basically for reserves, for um, the what was, you know, East Germany. You know, they were going to issue them to the the troops and that were defending East Germany, and uh, and they had control of the eight millimeter ammo as well. 
So, but they didn't want to give them AKs or SKSs or anything, you know, in 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 a, a Russian caliber. When did they then make them over here? Um, well, they the Make Work project lasted from 1955 to about 1963, and uh, the first ones that were imported in any kind of quantity was in 1992 after the fall of the Soviet Union. So uh, Russia sold thirty thousand of them to to the West, and but that's all they had. They had thirty thousand, but they were giving them to Vietnam. They were giving them to Cuba. They were giving them to Angola. You know, any commie wanted to be countries. They 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 would yeah. be given these weapons to to fight yeah. oppressing. They get the bad reputation, but. They were pretty serviceable for a lot. They of were very serviceable. Areas. <laughs> yeah, they, they shoot good. Shoot well. I captured two ninety-eight Ks in Vietnam, but both of them, neither one of them, made it here. But, wow. Yeah. Do you know what? The, do you, how, wait, were they real K ninety-eight Ks or uh, the Chinese ones? Or what no, the... no, no. They were ninety-eight Ks. Uh, Russian captured electric pencil guns. Oh, there. okay. Wow. Sure. Wow. But that that was the only, you know. Source for them were were uh, bringbacks until 1992, when 30,000 of them showed up, and then in 2002, when uh, 20,188 of them got imported. Shit, I'm gonna. That's a new story I could tell about my Russian capture now that it was in Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> could have been in Vietnam. <laughs> could have been. Well, it would have rust all over it, and pitting, and stuff like that from. Oh, yeah. every, every mark on it is blood pitting. Don't worry. Oh yeah, that <laughs> that does exist. Trust me, it exists. I know, but it also everyone says it for everything now. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. <laughs> nope. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it for real. So I I'm going to trust you. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. My TG33 and uh, and my Chinese Makarov, both of them. Got leaked all over them, and uh, and I didn't have chance to clean them off. And when, by the time the TT33 in particular, I tried to take out of the holster, and and I uh, couldn't. It was cemented in there. I had to cut the holster off of it. People have been talking about blood pitting for so like that's like a, you have a true example that you could document. So definitely take well, photos of that at some point. And, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. Identify. I mean, what's blood made out of? But salt and oxygen, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, and protein, protein, salt, and oxygen. That that doesn't do steel. I'll tell you what, you know, it tends to gobble it up. But anyway, I got two more. Okay, were two more. Question four. Swiss. Now we're going back. Swiss Vetterly model 1878 and 81 rifles sometimes had a curious addition in the way of a butt trap underneath the steel butt plate, which you had to unscrew to get to. It had no access door like the Murata had. But if the butt plate is removed, there's a compartment in there and it holds this firing pin. Oh, see, no one gets this one. You got this. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a spare firing pin under there. And usually wrapped up in a little piece of cloth, you know. And uh, I bought I bought a bunch of um, butt stocks from, from a deceased dealer who, I don't know why, he had a whole bunch of parts and stuff for Betterly's. 
and about a bunch of butt stocks. And I'm, I'm looking at him going like, you know, the butt plate's still on this thing. And if I take that butt plate off and I pull out a firing pin, I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> and there was a firing pin in every single one of them. So if uh, anybody yeah. needs a firing pin for a betterly, I'll give you a firing pin. <laughs> the fact that it's behind a, a screwed-in butt plate is just throws everybody off. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Mean, I didn't know that's and that's awesome. Yeah, but I have I have some of them, uh, and uh, I'm not selling them or anything. But I'll be glad to give you one if you want if you have one if you need <laughs> one. Heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question: the okay. Type Twenty Two Murata. Was Japan's first repeater rifle and also the first smokeless rifle, their first smokeless, when it was chambered in this cartridge. Oh, darn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't... That's the reason I'm asking is these obsolete cartridges yeah. are a problem in this world. Yeah, that is a problem. Uh, uh, it's 8 by 53R. Yeah, 8 by 53R, yeah. <laughs> So I think we asked kind of a little before, but when you're, if you sold like a Siamese Mazze, do you market a little cheaper knowing that it's hard to find the ammo for that these days? Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, I uh, pay, I pay less for it because, you know, you can't shoot the damn thing. And, uh, Danish oh, crags and stuff. And, oh, I had, I just had somebody offer me three, uh, Italian, uh, Vetterlies, but they were chambered in six, five. And uh, and he offered to me offered them to me. He thought they were worth a heck of a lot of money, but in the end, you know, his price was considerably less. After I told him that they those things would probably blow up and ruin uh -oh. your face, and uh, and and he tried to sell them to me. I did buy some Carcanos from the guy, but he tried to sell me these these Betterleys, and I wouldn't buy them. And he was really really sad. Our friend collects those, and you, you kind of have to be real careful with your loads if you gotta. Yeah, you gotta just throw in a modern six five and expect, you know, you gotta check it out. Make sure. Oh yeah, you know, be careful. No, I, I I do have a customer who hand loads for it, and he has really really good uh, uh, re results with his hand loads, but that's the only one. now, and it's very tempting for someone to say, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna just put this in. See what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. Well, you you can go ahead and do that, but you know, it's really hard to get that bolt out of your forehead. You know, so, and that's what would happen. Those bolts aren't held held in by much. I only stumped you a little bit on the eight by fifty three R. You got everything else. That was good. Oh, well, yay, yay me. You're you're a pro. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't usually get very many Marauders. I think I've had three ever, you know, in in over thirty years. That's and none recently. So I probably would have remembered that. But although I'll probably run into a couple of them in Tulsa, you know, it's the biggest gun show in the world. So. Oh yeah, Tulsa's cool. I've been one time, and it was it was a really good time. Yeah, and you limped for how many weeks? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of walking. A lot. Of, a lot of walking. Yeah. So big. It really is. Yeah, it's massive. Massive show. But yeah, it's coming up in less than a month. A couple weeks. Yep.
Yeah. Right, so we have a couple more. Oh, oh, sorry. Are you going though? Are you gonna say you going? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We have the same two tables that we've had for for yeah. twenty five years, and um, we're going through. We're gonna drive through like Louisiana and Texas, and going there, and then through Arkansas and Tennessee and stuff like that, coming back. So we kind of make a circuit, and we stop by and see collectors along the way, and. What right. what are you driving that you can pick up guns on the way? Oh, what do you have a trailer with you? No, 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 no. We just have a a van, a white van. Wow! So that van is <laughs> you loaded up by the end of the trip. You loaded. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's had we we bought three hundred and eighty guns and how many <laughs> thousands? Thirty seven thousand rounds of ammunition in one trip. <laughs> the car is dragging. 380 guns and 37,000 rounds of ammunition. So, wow. <laughs> and it was just, it was, its ass was dragging, let me tell you. Filled to yeah. the roof. I was able to go 56 miles an hour. I couldn't go 55. <laughs> I couldn't go 57. I could go 56 miles an hour exactly, and it would be nice and smooth as long as I didn't have to stop anywhere. But, um, but, you know, put on the brakes and, uh, uh, sir, do you have any firearms in the car? <laughs> yeah, don't get pulled over then. Yeah. So it's, it seems like you've traveled all over for for the, the search for Millsurps. What's been one of your favorite places you've gone for that? Um, Finland, I think. Ooh. Yeah, Finland was really, really cool. And, what'd, you get, uh, what'd you end up getting there? Oh, a bunch of... Most in the Gaunts, mostly. Shocked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Kind of a limited selection, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. But that was, you know, I, I my favorite city on earth is St. Petersburg, Russia. But um, you know, I can't uh can't go there right now. So it's uh, uh, you said Finland. So uh we were talking about this today. The Finnish captured Mosin's prices. Should they be as high as they are? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Is it because no. there's the? I, well, I the, I actually don't. Or... I don't actually uh, uh, price them very high my own self, but you know that's that's why they sell. <laughs> but um, you know, so I I I see people that that are offering me these guns or you know have them at at their table at shows. And they're always, you know, very, very impressed with them, you know. Uh, of course, that's why they still have them. But, you know. Uh, yeah. I, like, but, I, uh, um, the, the, I was, we were looking at some Imperial 91s that were Finn marked, and they were, like, almost the same price as a regular original Imperial. So it was getting yeah. up there. Yeah, that's correct. They are... Um, uh, yeah, the original Imperial ones are usually not in very good condition because they didn't, you know, uh, at that time they didn't uh, uh, have very good discipline as far as, as um, you know, they they hired a whole bunch of peasants, basically, who didn't know anything about guns and weren't about to <laughs> learn. So, But the Finns took very good care of their equipment. So. so we we've got some questions here from our um that we we thought of our friends gave us some and some listeners here so 
this the next one happens to be here. Is it warranted to call Mosin the Gaunt rifles garbage rods? So, <laughs> so while we're talking about it, that's a no, common name for them. I know because they were they were so cheap and available, and uh, and no and nobody like respected clunky, them. and no one cared. Yeah, no one yeah. gave them respect. And they're kind of clunky, you know. But they're made so that the the most illiterate peasant could fix it with a damned hammer, you know. Uh, they, yep. they, they, uh, uh, you know, they, they're not very smooth and they're not very uh, elegant, but they, they're tools, very good tools. So, so on the on Milser prices, are there any particular guns or like categories of guns that you think are consistently like overrated or overpriced? Uh, yeah, just about all the the American weapons, I think, are you know. I mean, this is very, very rare M1 carbine. Well, what are you talking about? You know, they made seven million of them. <laughs> yeah, they're not very rare. They're almost never in bad shape. Yeah, yeah, they're almost never in bad shape either. You know, and, uh, yeah. ex- unless they're universals or plain fields or something like that. You know, Iver Johnson. <laughs> Those things are just junk, but. But the you know U.S. military ones are very very good quality control and and very fun uh, family guns. But you know are they worth two thousand dollars? I couldn't find a single M1 carbine for less than two thousand dollars this recent show that I was at. Yep. And uh, and none of them were selling. And it's not because their prices were too high. It's just because everybody that walked in the door is a cheap bastard. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah. But. Speaking of overrated, um, there's a uh, unpopular opinion that the LaBelle, although the the smokeless powder it's, itself was amazing, of course, that it was it's it's overpriced and overrated now. What do you think? It is. It's just because of a of a uh, historical aspect of it. You know the the they're I think they're overpriced and overrated. And absolutely, then, I guess so. They were already a tube magazine when there was stacked magazines already out, yeah. And, and most of the Bell cartridges are very, very pointy bullets, you know. The original LaBelle cartridge had a flat nose so that they could, you know, push up in a yeah, tube right. magazine. But, um, I, I, I've actually seen a LaBelle that, that somebody, you know, loaded up and 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 fired one time and only one time and uh uh the there was a chain fire in the the magazine oh, oh yeah it was very ugly wow and tore up the guy's left hand i i had at one point about 80 people that wanted a label on one list you know 80 people at the same time <laughs> Yeah, the World War One stuff's gotten very popular in the past oh, yeah. decade or so. But the Swiss Schmidt Rubens are also the that that's by far the most accurate, you know, military firearms ever been fielded by anybody. Oh yeah, those are gorgeously made. Yeah, totally, totally gorgeous. So, are you into the neutral aspect though of the Swiss? Do you mind that? You don't care that that it's not involved in anything. You know, oh, um, no, that's I mean, nobody was stupid enough to invade Switzerland. Uh, 
it was it was funny. Kaiser went to Switzerland in 1915 and was talking to the Swiss and said, like, you know, if we wanted to take your country, we, we, we've got twice as many soldiers as you do. You know, what, what the hell can you do if we decided to, to take over? And they said, well, we'll just issue two bullets to every man and you won't have an army. You know, you want to come to our shooting festivals where you can see eight-year-old girls outshoot your batsmen? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you like the Swiss rifles? Oh, I love them. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally, totally. There. So K-11 versus K-31. Because... A lot of people go K-11 on that one. Where do you go? Well, I go K-31 because it's got a 100-meter zero. And the 31's got a 300-meter zero, which means if you're trying to shoot a target at 100 yards, you're going to hit about a foot and a half high. Yeah, that's uh, a big difference. Yeah, big difference. You're not going to, you know, it's, uh, you know, especially if you're hunting with it, you know, you just, you're gonna have to 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 shoot at the ground in order to hit the animal, so that's not a good idea. So this is, relates to one of our other questions we had in the list. Uh-huh. So of like the the contemporaries that the other powers were contemporary rifles that the other powers were using, like the K98K, the Springfield 1903-03A3, or the Leonfield number four or Moss 36. Like which of the which of those four do you think would be the the best one to have of that time uh well the moss 36 is very very uh very very good rifle it just you know the complaint is that it doesn't hold as many uh rounds but that was a very very good caliber and uh a very good yeah. cartridge and and they're they're wonderful shooting rifles but they're not as good as as a swiss and and you know, because they're so crudely, I mean, hey, it doesn't have a safety. Well, you know, it's a gun. Guns aren't safe, you know. So yeah, they didn't need one. Yeah. Don't need one. Exactly. I think I like the sights of that the best over the hard to see K ninety eight K one and the yeah. well the O three A three is pretty good, but I like a peep. Well yeah, the O three A three is a very good uh weapon, but you know, the original 1903 had 400 yards zero, you know. And uh, what the heck you can, you know, you, <laughs> you aim at their belt buckle, you know, and, and uh, you're going to hit them somewhere. But, yeah. you know, that, that was the, that was what it was basically taught. You know, you aim at the belt, belt buckle. Uh, Americans tend to shoot about 100 yards is about the maximum. You know that most yeah. Americans shoot at, and uh, I went to a Schützenfest in in Switzerland, and they had two hundred meter range. You know, and I thought, wow, this is going to be a breeze. You know, right? Like you think I came in thirteen hundred and sixtieth out of four thousand <laughs> competitors. You know, it's like I had little kids shooting better than me. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they train a lot. It's part of the they, life. It is, absolutely. And they didn't care, you know. I had um, one of my coin dealer colleagues lent me his 1911, uh, Gewehr 11, to uh, uh, compete in that thing. And, uh, you know, of course, I can blame 
you know, unfamiliar rifle and stuff like that, but for my shoddy performance, but, but basically, you know, I got, I'm going like, well, how am I going to get it to the, the, the range? And they, they said, Oh, easy. Just take the train. You know, it's no, no problem. <laughs> I get on a train with this damn rifle. I'm expecting to get busted right away, you know? And there, everybody on the, the train had guns, including little kids and stuff, you know? Jeez. And, you know, teenagers with machine guns and stuff. And I'm going like, what? Uh-uh. Of course, you know, how many shootings was there on that train? None. Yeah. Yep. But totally different culture. It's totally different culture. Yeah. But yeah, I thought myself a really, you know, high master shot, a shot and, and a marksman. And, uh, you know, I was not, not so much, but I did better. And <laughs> I did three shoots and vests and I did better in the second and third one, but, you know, still never broke the top hundred. <laughs> and you uh, still do a lot of shooting these days. Not at all. Not at all. I haven't shot in, in probably, I don't know, 12 years or something. Oh, shit. I know. You know? Uh, I, I, out there go, again. I used to go deer hunting every year and stuff like that. Uh, my last deer hunt was in 2000 with Dale Earnhardt. Oh. So, yeah. Another, another chapter for the book. Yeah. yeah Earnhardt. Earnhardt, yeah, it was a good buddy of mine, you know, it's like, and we used to, to go deer hunting in Alabama, actually, because uh, they have the the biggest deer, and uh, he was he was a little interesting to hunt with, because he'd say, okay, you take that one, I'd go, okay, I'm sitting there sighting it in, and boom, and I go, like, what the hell, and he goes, oh, no, I had to do it, I had to do it, you know, <laughs> Oh, are you saying he's competitive? I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's the most competitive guy I've ever met. I bet. Yeah, I guess it worked out for him. Balls of steel. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Uh, yeah, he. I was. I was at the track when he had his accident. I was one of oh. the last last people to talk to him. Actually. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was horrible because it didn't even look like it was that bad, and it was like it did uh, not, it did not, and but I knew it was that bad. I knew it was. I knew by the reaction of the people, I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, and so it was. Um, Kenny Schrader, when he came up to the car and just like looked in and was shocked and like, "Oh my gosh!" and started signaling. I, I had to get Desiree out of there. And, uh, uh, you know, and I had to get her back home. At least, at least changes to the sport and the car came from that, that helped prevent other people, you know? Gotta yeah. Nobody has died. positive out of it. Yeah. Nobody has been killed since. I mean, you know, it's yep. uh, really, really uh, uh, hardcore changes and, and stuff. And, you know, I mean, we're still big NASCAR fans. And stuff um, you know we used to i used to have a party uh the fourth of july party they used to have a race on fourth of july every year and i'd have a pool party after the race and uh, a lot of drivers and and uh crew people and stuff like that would show up cool did you ever get to go in one of the cars oh yeah sure 
Oh, isn't it scary? Is yeah. it? Not at all. Not at all. Oh, well, you're 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 a thrill seeker, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've done a lot of stuff. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, uh, I imagine it'd be scary now, but it wasn't back then. If I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> Having too much fun. You think you're invulnerable back then? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, at one point I didn't think I was ever going to see twenty-one, and then I didn't think I was going to see thirty-one. So, wow. you know, it's just uh, one of them things. But... All right, we'll we'll go to a positive here. Okay. A full intact mom. That's so positive, isn't it? Do you care about your Arasakas? Do you need them to have a mom? And when you price in your, do you? Is it a big difference? Because everyone jokes that the all the values in the mum. It kind of is. They're right. <laughs> you know? it is. Um, there's there's a, a big difference, and um, I've got I've got a really beautiful Arasaka right now that you know almost looks unissued, and it's got perfect mum and everything, you know. But it's it's one of the last ditch, you know, Hiroshima, you know, Koyo Kagyo type right. of. A, Arsenal, so yeah. doesn't it doesn't glow in the dark though, so that's good. <laughs> but rather just in time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So the mum does add the value, so you recognize that. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And do you get many of rope hole Arasakas? You ever see those? Do those come across? Like I, I never see I, them. I've never had one. No, I've wow. never had one. I have a. Uh, uh, I've seen them, and I know what they are, but they're not, they're rare for a reason, because they don't <laughs> ever see it. <laughs> and what would you say the ratio of early 99s with all the bells and whistles, the monopod AA site and the dust cover, versus last ditch? Well, obviously, I, I see more last ditch ones. Uh, and, and, you know, people discount them as junk, you know, but they're not, they're some of the strongest actions ever made. Yep. And, uh, you know, definitely not junk, but oh, yeah. the yeah. Marines were told that they were junk. Look, they looked like the last ditch looked like shit. Yeah. But that that's all it is, is looks. Yeah. Well, so do the, 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 is chef 1943, High wall, uh, most in the guns. Those things look like like hell, you yeah. know, because they're not they're not finished finely at all. You know, they look like chewed by a beaver and stuff, you know. But but those things work just as good as any other gun. So it's it's just uh, it's a misnomer. But but of course, you know, the superior sight is like a peep. At least it's a peep. But you know, it's fixed sight, and, and uh, you know, not as as utilitarian as as a, a ladder site, but of course nobody in the field and actual combat conditions, nobody tinkered around with sites anyway. You know, they were too busy trying to <laughs> not get shot. <laughs> yeah. Just put down fire. <laughs> yeah. But as far as having all the bells and whistles, like uh, the monopod, oh, 90% of the guns with monopods are, those are fake monopods. See, that was one yeah. of the first, first things that they they took off and threw out uh and the the bolt uh, action cover the metal action cover 
that slides along with the bolt. Yeah, those things were were definitely the first things that got thrown out. So, you know. So, yeah, to find one that has all, including the dust cover, that's real. Is, is definitely yeah, a difficult. Real, thing. real rare. Yeah. Nice find. Yeah. Yeah, real rare. But um, no, I like I like Arisakas. Uh, I wish there was more ammo available. But you know, those are pretty neat neat rifles. Speaking of selling things, is there anything that you've ever regretted selling and, and not keeping for yourself or selling out of your personal collection? Mm, uh, no, not really. Not really. There, there, there's a couple things that I probably would have kept if I, if I could have, but you know, I, they, they went to good homes. So I'll, I'll get them again. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I don't mind. I don't mind selling stuff. I get to, I get to play with it. I get to take pictures of it and all this kind of stuff. And I, I still you used like... to get to shoot it. Right. You used to get to shoot it too. I used to get to shoot them too. Yeah, but I just don't have that kind of time anymore. You know. You must get a lot of CMP flipped guns set your way what do you think about these guys get, get by, going on getting the cmp guns and then flipping them right away trying to get twice the money for them well i think it's it's um it's not a good fit it really isn't uh for for a long time you know we had a a guy that was heading heading up cmp and uh he, he really really discouraged that you know and um you know, initially, initially you got to buy one thing in your lifetime, and now you can buy a dozen grands a year. So, yeah. um, you know, but but Orest um, used to, you know, he he used to ask people to um, report whenever you know you saw somebody with a CMP at a a, a show table, and uh, you know just write down the serial number and let them know. And uh, who who it was and what it was, and if 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 they were selling a CMP gun that they just got and were flipping it, they wouldn't be able to buy any more. Yeah, the whole point, the whole point of the CMP was to to give people the personal gun for their collection, right? To right, like learn shooting and enjoy shooting. Right, and that still is their purpose, but you know there were. They were worried about Captain Crunch, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, where, where they were sending all these 45 pistols into the chopper and shredding them, you know, instead of selling them. Uh, they were worried that they were going to do that with Garands and they were going to abolish the CMP. So, so instead of one, one per lifetime, you could buy two a year and then four a year. And now it, I think it's 12 a year. And, um, because they don't want to, they don't want to be obsoleted, you know. But they didn't have enough people at, at, at two a year, you know. They didn't have enough people that that wanted them, you know. They weren't selling enough to to merit their existence, basically. So, I mean, I'm I'm not, I'm I'm sort of opposed philosophically 
to uh, flipping Garands and stuff like that, I've never done it. Every single Garand I've ever bought, I still own. But um, except for that M1D sniper that I I got in a lottery. I I bought it in 1998. You couldn't hit the barn, the side of a barn from inside the damn barn with that thing. You know, it was beautiful. It was beautiful looking. But with a scope and with me shooting it at 100 yards, I'd get like a 12 to 14 inch group. That's a pattern. It's not a group. Wow. And with yeah. open sights, I could get like maybe two inches. I don't. I don't hear them listed when people talk about accurate sniper rifles. No, no, they're not. I mean, I saw them in Vietnam. They had them in Vietnam, but they're not. I think it's a, a, a very, very weak scope and stuff like that. You know, you know, just not a very good rifle. I, in in my opinion, I love the M1 Garand. You know, I got a one of my my finest weapons is the ugliest damn thing you've ever seen in your life. It's a Danish return Garand, and it looks like it had been drugged down a out of a thrown out of a back of a pickup truck down a gravel road. You know, it just got no finish on it. The stock's all beat up. It's just as ugly as can be. And if I take it out to the range, I used to take it out to the range along with about twenty other weird things. You know. And, um, but I'd take it and they would, every single time anybody saw, saw it, they say, that is the ugliest Garand I've ever seen in my life. Ever, 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 ever. It had a VAR barrel, Danish made barrel, you know? And I'd say, yeah, well, watch this. And I'd slap a clip in there and I'd fire it off rapid fire. Boom, 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 you know? And, and they'd say, well, you only hit the target once. <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, yeah. Go down and look at the target. And it that thing is like, it was zeroed in like a laser. You know, wow. it absolutely was phenomenal. It still is. I'm sure so it looked like just one hole from that far away. Yeah, wow. from that one ragged <laughs> hole from that far away. But you could see all these little Mickey Mouse ears in the hole on the edge of the hole. But yeah, it just, and uh, it, I just couldn't miss with that thing. But it was ugly. It still is ugly. Very ugly. I like it because it's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like when they've been there and done that. Yeah, but that M1D I had was the most very, very pretty, absolutely perfect looking. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And I ended up selling it because it was just couldn't hit the brown side of a barn. And, and ex my listing, I said, this thing is beautiful, but it cannot hit the broad side of a barn. <laughs> And I said that right out, and and uh, I I imagine I think the guy that bought it uh, tweaked it some and, and and worked on it some and got it to where he could actually shoot it, but not me. But anyway, um, yeah, I've got I'll be I'll, I'm going to have a bunch of CMP papered grants here in, in a little bit after after Tulsa. And uh, yeah, and they're going to be some very nice ones. They're from a private collection, and uh, yeah. Do you ever mention JFK or Oswald when you're selling an M38 Carcano? Just curious. <laughs> um, 
if it's got the Hollywood scope on it, and we've had a couple of them, I have mentioned it, yeah. And and yeah, I well, guess and I guess you know the ones that are uh, close in serial number to the the one that that uh, Oswald used, and I'm sure he did use it. All right, so you use it in a specific way. If it's if it's a clone, you'll have to mention it, or if it's it, it, some people just mention it. If it's a Carcano, in general, no. No, no. I don't no cavalry Carcano, and they're saying, "Oh, JFK was shot by one of these." Uh, I get asked that occasionally, and uh, and I I'll agree that it was. You know, my my oldest daughter, I gave her when she was eight years old. I gave her a Carcano, and by the time she was eleven, she she could prove that Oswald could have done it easy. <laughs> so. To yeah. anyone, you know, she, she loves that Carcano. Still does. Yeah, they get a bad rap, but they're not—they're not too bad. No, 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 they're clunky, you know, and yeah. and uh, you know the 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 in block clip is not fun to to lose or mess around with, but but uh, they're very very accurate rifles. And like a lot of people say, um, the clips were meant to fall out the bottom. And not be used again, and we're using them all, at you know, over and over and over at home, yeah. bend, bending the lips and exactly, yeah. So, I, I, had a, I had a big crate full of uh, of Carcano clips of, that I found in our warehouse a couple of years ago, and I put them on eBay, and uh, and oh well, man, I sold the hell out of those things. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect to sell very many of them. But yeah, I mean, I was selling ten at a time, you know, like I think it was like ten for sixty bucks or something, you know. Yeah, they, they sell. Yeah, they sell, and now I can't, you know, now I I just bought a bunch of Carcanos. I don't have any clips, so <laughs> I guess I do. I've got some seven thirty five ammo. They're on clips, so I'm gonna probably take the clips off because the clips are worth more than the ammo is. So. Probably sell them with a clip, you know. I always try to do that anyway. You so have to um, tape it to the gun because uh, I've heard a lot of uh, RTI gives away clips with their guns and they just throw it in the box and it gets oh. thrown out. <laughs> so, oh no, Deb, Deb just rolled her eyes. <laughs> so, but, you got to tape it there. Oh, yeah, yeah, or I'll. We'll actually put it in the action. I'll put a piece of tape underneath the where the, the clip will fall out, you know, just so so that they know where it is and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, yeah, no, no, we've we've seen. I mean, I've seen so many guns that came from Century with the bolts sticking out of the the boxes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it mean, never never happens with us. In fact, we get criticized sometimes because it took. Took like, uh, uh, you know, twenty five or thirty minutes to to unpack this darn rifle I got from you. <laughs> you guys are definitely great rappers. You know, there's they 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 call it the UPS duffel cut is when you know you just throw the gun in the box and it shows up in two two three pieces. Oh, I know, I know. But yours are really good. Yours are perfect. Well, and we've got good U- UPS uh, uh, dedicated drivers and stuff that pick up our stuff, and they make sure that nothing happens to it between here and and our center, at least, you know. But 
they uh, they just don't throw it on a conveyor belt or anything. Yeah, and we special order boxes that are really very high strength boxes. So, oh, that's good. You know, so, they, so the barrels that poking out the top. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh no, that doesn't happen with us. Yeah, Deb is is definitely a professional when it comes to packing and stuff. But yeah, we had everything that was on this last list. You know, was was out of the. It was on on the list by Monday, and what we didn't get out Monday, we got out Tuesday. And uh, everything on everything on the list, and I think all but two or three things sold. So, all right. I think what we should do here is we, we got this speed round, and okay. it's just a list of yes or no, this or that type questions, and we'll. Well, the intent is to quickly go through the list and. You give your opinion really okay. easy. you'll see so kelly and i will alternate down this list kelly you ready i am all right cock on open or cock on close uh open okay okay good, good. turn bolt or a straight pull mm. uh, depends on what it is um you know if it's a schmidt rubin straight pull fantastic you know the uh uh, Austrian man liquor, not so much. So, so you, a Swiss one, a Swiss straight pull will win over a turn bolt. Um, oh, well, um, no, he's going mm -hmm. turn bolt then. All right, all right, I like Bl blued receivers or in the white receivers? Um, in the white receivers. Oh, good choice. I like it. Yeah. All right. So for the infield number number four bayonet, the spike or the blade? Blade. <laughs> yeah. I don't like many spikes. Oh man. I used to get the spike bayonets I used to buy for nine pence in uh in England. They use them for tenth state. That's funny. They make great tenth stakes, you know, you just Hammer into the ground, and then you can you got a little right. loop to to tie rope through. It's great. A handle and a loop, yeah, yeah. Um, stock preference: finger grooves or no finger grooves? Um, good question. I'm I'm a finger groove guy, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. I I am Not as well. Don't have finger grooves, but you know they're. Uh, that's because they were lazy. All right. Another stock one. Darker finishes like a walnut or lighter finishes like a beach? Uh, walnut. Yeah. I, something about the light ones, even though the Swiss ones do look all right in the light colored wood. Yeah. Uh, I I don't understand that part of it at all. <laughs> people don't, you know, people you know, if they would much, much rather have a walnut stock than a beach stock. But a beach stock means the gun has not seen as much service, you know, and and therefore yeah. it's got a much longer lifespan than than a walnut stock. And yeah, stock a lot of people stock, buy the history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they ran out of walnut. Bottom line, they cut down every friggin' walnut tree in Europe. For true, yeah. 
They um, did. Stripper clip fed or M block fed? Um, Basically, do you like the mon- the mon liquor action? It, like, it could be very yeah. finicky, but. That's stripper clip. All right, let's see. For front sights, you prefer it with the like protector ears on the side or no protector ears? No protector ears. Oh. Okay. No ears. No ears. Whoa. All right, rear sights now. Do you like that little peep or a tangent or even a ladder? <laughs> um, peep. Especially if it's close to your eye, you know. Yeah. The Japanese Arasakas had a peep sight, but they were like halfway down the barrel, and it was very hard to, to you know, peep. And um, as far as the front sight with the 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 um, two ears, you know, it's so easy under stress to to mistake one of those ears for the front sight and just get be shooting wonky, you know. Yeah, I can yep. see that. Yeah, it used to happen a lot with the fins. They that that was the, their biggest complaint uh, with the fins is that you know they would they would uh, sight with the they were wondering why they were missing so badly. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, under stress, you know. All right, we've got a few more. So, uh, like a Mauser style flag safety versus any other type of rifle safety, like the. Japanese knob or the infield, just kind of thumb switch. Um, uh, I, I flag safety. It's pretty simple. I kind of like the simple uh, infield style, like toggle switch thing. But... Well, the problem with that is that you know you would fire around, and that toggle switch could get uh, moved back. Any yeah, kind of, and then and then your bolt's frozen up, and you you can't. Under stress of battle, you wouldn't be able to figure it out, you know? Interesting. Yeah, it frees your gun up. And a lot of guys, uh, especially Aussies, uh, complained about that with their smelly rifles. Okay, what's worse? A Millsurp rifle with a mismatched bolt or an all-matching example, but in a cut-down sporterized stock? Cut-down. I hate those. Yeah. A lot of the bolts are mismatched because, you know, they, especially with the bringbacks, you know, they, they put you on a ship to send you home and they made you take the bolt out and throw it in the bucket. <laughs> and, and then they promised you'd be able to get your bolt back. But bottom line is that, you know, when you get back to the, to, to home and all these, all these families are sitting there waving flags and jumping up and down because they're, they're stunning or, Loved ones coming home, and and you're trying to get off the ship. You know the 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 captain will tell you, you know, either grab a bolt and get off my ship, or don't grab a bolt but get off <laughs> my damn ship. You know, sick of looking at you guys. So you just grab a bolt, and hopefully it fit the gun you had. But whether you could look through to find serial number one, two, three, four, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. And do you ever try to save sporterized stocks, like uh, sporterized guns, and restore them? Do you think people should do that, or no? You never try. Too no. much money and pain in the yeah, ass. Yeah, it, it, it's a, a money pit. 
really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it sucks when you see like a, thir- a G thirty three forty cut down. I said, you see, it's the original stock. And yeah. There's nothing you could do to, you know. No saving it. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, you know, they would double cut the stock and they lose the front part of it. <laughs> and probably lose the barrel bands and stuff like that, you know, because you know there's little pieces parts uh, flopping around and 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 that stuff can can Damn. get thrown out, you know, and uh, so I always think about it when I see a sporterized gun, but I, I talk myself out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good plan. <laughs> I had somebody just recently try to sell me a sporterized gun. They were trying to tell me it wasn't sporterized. And I said, well, what about these three uh, drilled and tapped holes in the damned receiver? You know, you think those were originally there? They're going, like, oh, well, yeah, I thought they knew. that's the way they were. You know, no, sorry. I ain't buying it. <laughs> I don't want it no matter what, you know. It, it, <laughs> If, if if it was your deceased husband's gun and you're a widow, I I'd buy it from you. I'd probably pay you fifty bucks for it, and I'd have to probably pay somebody fifty bucks to take it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you know. no value in those, sadly. Yeah, I can make can have fun with them. All right, I think we got what do we got? Some this or that? This or that? Uh, firearms. All right, so we'll start with the the U.S. 1903 or the 1717. Oh, yeah. 17. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Choice. How about the Gewehr 98 versus the 1903 Springfield? Um, What's well, a your soldier from a soldier's aspect? I guess it's a big thing to drag around. Well, they're both fired in at 400 meters. So, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of um, difference in the shootability of it, you know. But the the Springfield would be a lot easier to to um, fudge, you know. Do you like that sight on that complicated? Uh, yeah. You have many points. Yeah. Some people just can't stand it. It's a it's a love or hate relationship. Yeah, it's kind of like on the late crags too. You know, they just had the. Very, very weird, wonky sight. And uh, you well, know. I guess the other one has a roller coaster, I guess. <laughs> so it's crazy, yeah. too. Yeah, the other one has a roller coaster. <laughs> so. I imagine if you're laying in a ditch, the roller coaster would be easier to adjust than the, the Springfield sight. All right, we got a couple more the Carabiner 98K or the Springfield 03A3. 03A3. Does have very good sights. Yeah. All right. Last one of these: the G forty three or the M one Garand, Garand or whatever. Oh, M one Garand every single any day. <laughs> the the G forty three is you know like, uh, very very over complicated. You you try and and uh, field strip the thing, and you can lose parts real easy, and. Uh, and then you've got nothing but a club, you know. <laughs> really, I I do like shooting the G forty three, but the M one is the M one. Yeah, it is. 
All right. That was kind of speedy for the speed round for us. You know, we um okay. We usually are worse than that. So that's deviate a lot. Yeah. But we were talking about some of the uh FUD lore before uh like the M1, I think we mentioned the M1 ping or something. So we always like to run by with everyone a couple of these things and you could just say if it's true shit or bullshit and like for example the m1 garand ping do you think that the enemy was was notified of their of soldiers were empty and then charged them no <laughs> totally not true or what about that they took the soldiers took the empties and banged it to make a ping noise to get uh, you know i heard that i i heard that but it, it i i really don't believe it yeah, too loud to hear anything like that. Yeah. All right. For Japanese rifles, the Arasaka specifically, there's always the myth that the so many of them are missing the dust cover because the, the soldiers would take them off and throw them away because they made noise on the rifle and they're trying to be sneaky. Now, that's absolutely true. Oh, shit. Okay. No, it's true. Well, was it that they thought they would be heard or they just thought they were clunky, a clunky part of it? Because it is a little clunky to use. It's a clunky to use. It's really, really hard to, when you're trying to reinsert the bolt to get, the, get in the raceway and everything. No, they, they didn't like it. It was too noisy. Uh, it, it made a lot of rattling sounds and stuff like that. And they, they threw them away. Absolutely. Cool. So we, we touched on the, the mums for Japanese rifles. So does the rifle having a mum mean it was captured in the field? Because most of them were scrubbed at the end of the war. That's right, yeah. Captured, most of them were captured in the field, yeah, and sent home. Uh, at, at the end of the war, it, it, was, you know, it was MacArthur that said to uh, grind them off or, or um, deface them so that the emperor wouldn't be uh, insulted, so they wouldn't be surrendering the emperor's guns. But yeah, I think I've seen some documentation on that. It's, yeah, it's hard to find, but yeah. Essentially, every single soldier, and I know this to be true, every single soldier that 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 were did any kind of duty in Japan after the war were you know marched to a, a warehouse, and they said you can either pick up a rifle or you can pick up a samurai sword. But not both, and take home for a souvenir, you know, because oh. they the rifles they didn't have any ammo, you know. Uh, MacArthur ordered all the ammo to be dumped in Tokyo Bay, so there's still a lot of ammo in the bottom of Tokyo Bay. But <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> but, where they all went. Yeah, yeah, that's where where it all went. But <laughs> but the um, well, they didn't want the uh, um, the populace rising up against the uh, conquerors, you know, and and uh, being able to have rifles that they were kind of used to having with oh. ammo, you know. But but they had, the warehouses just had these things stacked to the freaking ceiling with the uh, Arasakas, and you could take one home. And sometimes, uh, uh, occasionally, you know, if you found a Japanese pistol, a Nambu, you know, you could take it home as well. But 
But that's that's where most of them ended up. Almost every ninety five percent of every Japanese Arasaka and and hundred percent of all Nambus came from in that fashion. You know, well, but but they a, were a great little bit of history that comes along with it. Yeah, I've talked yeah. to many, many soldiers. In fact, you know, I served with a bunch of soldiers that that did uh, post-war Japan duty, and 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 they they all that's exactly what they said to a man. You know, cool. Yeah, and the and the the dumb ones took the Arasakas. <laughs> <laughs> you know those yep. samurai swords. You know they they weren't. Uh, yeah. You know, they weren't very. Very uh, fancy looking, but boy, they they sure sell for a lot of money now. I yep, I seen them. Oh my god, even the cheap ones aren't cheap. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they're big money. They're big money. A lot of them were you know hand downs, hand me downs from generation to generation to generation. It was just uh, amazing. All right, true, uh, true shit or bullshit? The concentration camp made German concentration camp German guns where the workers sabotaged them to blow up for the some Germans. Of them, some of them did, yes, that's true. Ooh. Especially the G43. <laughs> <laughs> I bet a lot of people probably took a lot of opportunities to do something. And, and we learned on our last show that... Um, the workers would work slowly and make mistakes, which was one way to screw things up. Right. So, so there was slowed production. Yeah, that happened at Mauthausen quite. Um, uh, that was a concentration camp in Austria that Steyr yeah. basically was, uh, you know, basically made Steyr Daimler Puch uh, rifles. Right. But uh, Mauthausen, they, they did. A very very slow walk, kind of thing. To, yeah, and and uh, and you know tried to put them together wonky so that you know they would fail inspection. So they that's figured crazy. they weren't going to live that long anyway. So yeah, that's ballsy. All right, back onto the Japanese rifles. There's the <laughs> the myth that in desperation, U.S. soldiers would sometimes use. Seven seven Japanese ammo in their M1 Garands. No, I haven't heard that one, and I don't. I doubt if it could be true, really. Um, no, don't. Never heard that one. I guess. So, I, I guess that might be able to work. Uh, yeah, it is shorter, and it's the bullets shorter. close. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen guys shoot three oh eight in a thirty out six, and wonder why the straight walled case came out. You know. <laughs> but yeah. you know, so so the shorter thing could possibly work, and the seven seven Japanese is you know three eleven. It, it would it it would Durand hold it. You know, well, a, a friend of ours uh, partially tried it with a spent case, and it the case got stuck, but it was pretty close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a fresh well, fresh spent, casing might work. Spent case was probably blown out a little bit though. Yeah, that's I'd, the problem. Yeah, if uh, if I had any any seven seven Japanese, I I don't think I do. But if I had any th seven seven Japanese, I just might try it my own damn self. <laughs> yeah, I need to try it one day. Yeah, uh, 
that we definitely have to try it. Yeah. It's uh, plausible. All right, I like it. Uh, this I heard at the we there's some new FUD lore I heard at the KC show. We all met up at the KC Missouri Arms show, and I heard someone say, "Be careful looking at the German stuff." Uh, after 1943, there's poor quality control. Now, that's got to be too early, right, for the Germans? What do you think? Yeah, that's too early. The guns you've seen, the 44s, are they that bad? No, they're not bad at all. No, I mean, they had really, really good quality control throughout, you know, throughout right to the end of the war, you know, until they started running out of pieces parts, you know. But and that was right. right at very, very last couple of weeks, you know. But, but um, they had uh, very, very good tolerances and very good uh, workmanship. Yeah, that's so, good. Uh, that that is fud lore. And I've been to the to the Kansas City show. Uh, I think I've done three of those, but uh, not not recently. I mean, sheesh, you know. But it's uh, from my neck of the woods. That was a the most amazing show I've ever been to by tenfold, you know? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so I had a, a swell time. We went for multiple days, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it didn't turn out, you know, because I, 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 I do shows to buy rather than sell th- stuff, and so, you know, right. I wasn't able to, to buy enough at, at uh, those shows to continue going, but... Yeah. Right. But I've been to 28 years worth of uh, culture shows, so obviously I can buy enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, that one, if any of them, for sure. Yeah. All right, so that was our list of FUD lore, truth or bullshit. So do you have any, any other good ones you've heard over the years of rumors or FUD lore regarding certain rifles or pistols? Um, not that I can recall offhand. No, no. All right. So we hinted earlier that Dennis had a little wild ear in his life somewhere uh, between shooting coyotes and making uh, colorful websites. And with a little looking around, we found the Trip Hammer site here. So Dennis, uh, let me reveal he was in a early 70s rock band. And based on the photos I'm seeing, he was all in. He was a full rock star. Uh, would you would you care to fill us in on the fate of Trip Hammer? And what's up with your clothes? I have to ask. <laughs> okay, let me look. Uh, I'm, I'm back at my... I, I was in the front room. <laughs> you saw it? You see you? Yes. All right. I need to know, was this the style back then, or were you making a point, or what? <laughs> Does the wife approve of this outfit? Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> you still have those pants? Uh, yes. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so, uh, no. uh, uh-oh, you're back on that computer. pants, 26 waist. 26 waist is these pants. That, did you put the heart on the pants yourself? Uh-oh, I didn't get an answer. I need to know if he decorated it himself. It looks okay, like a custom job. Um, I don't know what happened. Uh-oh. Yes. 
He said yes. 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 Did you hear me? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. He did do the custom work. So what we're looking at is he's in uh waist pants. So twenty oh my gosh. So yeah, you um we're definitely living the rock star life. So what what happened to Trip Hammer here? What was this? This is chapter seven in the book. So what <laughs> well uh I actually was going to college at the time at the University of Missouri in Columbia. And um, uh, and I was in several bands at the same time, but but uh, I think this is the summer of 73. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, that's me and my hair. And uh, Oh, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's, I'm playing guitar, so. You know, that's that's you still uh, have that guitar. It's like a jazz master or something. It's a jazz master. You're right. Uh, no, I, I don't. It, it was stolen. No. Yeah, it was stolen. I have a jazz master to replace it, but it doesn't look like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was. a. So, so this was the style is what we're going with. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess, you know, that was our style. It. uh. No, this is what a lot of the, the these bands looked like back then. Was it was it the long hair and the yeah, it was kind of glam, glam. The stomachs out. Well, I want to use this song right here for like a like an intro or something. <laughs> this is a rock good. Welcome to Millsap HQ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's right, Kelly, what's up? Yeah, that's not me singing. <laughs> that's actually not even me playing. That's that's a uh, a different guitar player. What? In nineteen seventy. No. And the other one was this one. You playing this one? Uh no. No, that was nineteen seventy. I was in Vietnam then. Well this is like the the Vietnam song here, it sounds like. <laughs> The movie. So yeah, you um. So you got to give us at least one uh wild rock star moment. Okay. You guys have had something crazy happen. You, you destroy a hotel room. You uh, light a car on fire. And push it <laughs> off a bridge. Nah, we didn't do stuff like that. You know, and uh, you know, hell, I didn't even do drugs back in the day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're blowing up the image here. I know, I know, but everybody else did. <laughs> I still have that guitar. Wow, uh, the pitchfork nice. guitar. It actually, pitchfork. it actually uh, um, spit fire out, out of the tines of the the pitchfork. And uh, oh, that's rad. yeah, yeah, there was a little oh. apparatus on the back of it, and uh, cool. I used to uh, jump on a, a little mini trampoline, and um, so you guys and, like performance. Oh yeah, completely, completely. There was just uh, uh, we had we had a, um, a heck of a time. Uh, that that particular guitar had um, uh, had a little um, a thing on the back of it that hooked onto my belt buckle. And I could spin it around like a windmill, kind of, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear you. That's awesome. And we we played a we played a show with uh, ZZ Top 
And they said, like, well, man, that's really cool. Wait, and then, they, wait, don't they do that? Yeah, after that. After what? they played that show with us, sure. The fuck? <laughs> no. You heard it here, everyone. This is this is, ZZ Top stole it from Dennis. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We I did it first. I had uh I had so a funny. uh uh wireless uh thing that I actually designed my own self, uh a wireless um uh so I didn't have to use a cord and uh it fit in into the back of my guitar and I had a a little flamethrower that 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 shot flames out. Holy and, shit. Uh, yeah, and then it spun yeah. around, and I, I yeah, it was all. Wait, you have any? Is this on video anywhere? Can we see this? Ah, this is way before video. Ah, so dang it. Yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, wow. And I'm dying to hear Pan's a president, and this one's not working. So you got to put that one back on. Oh really? Oh uh, yeah, Pan's a president was a was a very very interesting song complete with sieg heils and stuff yeah know. i want to hear it I, I, oh man i saw something about it <laughs> yeah yeah so who else are you play any famous venues or with uh, any other famous dudes besides the stealing zz top oh yeah well um yeah we played i played a lot of uh very big venues i uh, played madison square garden several times and, and uh Ooh. you know toured all over uh, <sighs> toured all all over the U.S. You know, we played That's with awesome. a lot of a lot of different bands. Uh, played shows with Stick and Black Oak, Arkansas, and and you know the my I actually met my wife Deborah. We met at a uh, concert called the the Ozark Music Festival in 1974, and. Uh, uh, we we played uh, the first day of the of the festival or three days festival, and uh, our opening act was a band that nobody ever heard of called Eagle. And um, Eagle, yeah, Eagle, Eagles, yeah, Eagles, actually, <laughs> ah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't the Eagles. It was just hey. Eagles. Dennis, if you tell me now that you went up to that Don Henley and said, "Hey," Put an S on it. You're gonna blow my mind. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was Eagles, but it was not <laughs> the Eagles, you know. Okay. Was, yeah. But but they were just they were a country band, more or less, you know, country rock band at the time. And uh and you know, we played also like with Black Oak Arkansas and Ted Nugent, a whole bunch of bands like that, you know. Um uh, Leonard Skinner. We played a bunch of shows with Leonard Skinner. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I see you on the list here on Wikipedia with Skinner and Jeff Beck, Ted Nugent. Yeah. Marshall Tucker Band, America, Blue Oyster yeah. Cult. Yeah. Just Eagle Smith. And Trip Hammer. <laughs> and Trip Hammer. There you are. You're right there with them. Yeah. Bob, Bob Seeger. Yep. Bob Seeger played. Yeah. All right, so was did anything happen these days? Was anyone like did anything amaze you from these guys, or just like you said, you you don't get amazed by uh, famous yeah, people? Not really. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I I get uh, amazed by by music and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there there that that was Ozark music. Yeah, yeah. 
Deb was were actually uh, she, uh, she was the um, uh, uh, what was the name of that thing? She actually was was uh, a uh, trainee on the soundboard uh, for oh. the sound company, and okay. uh, cool. Yeah. And I I walked up and. Apparently, my first three words to her were, please be 18. So, you know. <laughs> what an intro. Yeah, what an intro, yeah. But, oh, uh, ladies, man. Yeah, and we, uh, <laughs> she said, no, I'm not not 18 yet, but I will be. Okay. <laughs> See you eventually. But, uh, yeah, the, we, uh, we got together about 40 years later, and... Uh, and uh, but but we you know oh so how what what um how did you how how did the band end though at this point you're playing with these 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 festivals and you're playing the, with ZZ Top Steel and so what what uh, happens well, the band uh the the band actually uh, just kind of fizzled out um uh, I basically graduated from college the uh, keyboard player uh, Bannister Tarleton is still a performer and he's he's has like 23 or 24 albums out and stuff but um he's still he's still plugging along i i moved i moved to los angeles and i brought him i brought him out to la to to join a band that i was putting together out there and it was the case of a uh not a big fish in a little pond but a you know, a minnow in a the ocean kind of thing. He was freaked out about it, and so he he went back to Missouri so that he could be a big fish in a little pound. You know, and uh, and that's where he still lives. <laughs> we just visited him oh, a couple well. months ago. So, well, but, you all have stories for life at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and for the book. Yeah, and for the book. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been putting a little list here, and I got the Swedish Mausers. We have the, the mustache, the, the Vietnam <laughs> stories, the airplane stuff. Yeah. You know, Dale Earnhardt. You know, we got a lot of things here. Well, that's funny. Don't copyright strike me if I use your song for one of the, uh, our intros. Oh, no. Hell no, I wouldn't. The world is an igloo. Yeah, the world is an igloo. That's not one of mine anyway. I didn't play on that song, but but that's, right. that's really a very, very primitive uh, form of that band. But that's just a, uh, that, that was a, a album that we put out called Retrospective. That is a, um, you know, had a bunch of songs on it. There's, there, there's a bunch. Can you get it online? Oh uh, yeah, sure. Oh, all right. I'll definitely get it then. Yeah, it's for the, it's pretty for the collection. Interesting. Not not very uh, good technically, but you know some some things are you know really pretty good, and um, some things are just you know out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you you definitely fit the time. I went through all of them, and you definitely you that guys are definitely products of the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, but we uh, 
I, I still play guitar. Um, when Deb and I got together, my uh, Deb's husband passed away. He had a heart attack. And my wife, Deborah, uh, Deborah, Desiree, my wife, Desiree, had uh, uh, ovarian cancer. And she lasted a lot longer than anybody thought she would. But she finally passed away. But before she did, she, she uh, basically... Uh, without my knowledge or consent, she signed me up for Match.com, and she wrote my profile and everything. Oh, my gosh. Uh, complete with pictures and stuff, and told me that you know I wouldn't be doing good uh, on my own. So she wanted me to find somebody <laughs> and uh, uh, so that you know I could have a happy life. And Deb and I... Uh, uh, kept crossing paths on this thing, and uh, she she didn't recognize me, but she recognized my guitar, and so she uh, uh, basically, uh, you know, sent me a, a a message in you know private message and said like, hey, uh, what kind of guitar is that? It's a really nerdy thing, you know, and <laughs> what and you know what kind of uh uh, guitar is that and finish and all this kind of stuff and and uh oh if you'd like to answer you know if, if you'd like to, to answer me that's fine if you don't that's fine too you know but here's my phone number and then her phone rang about three minutes later and i said you said call so we started was talking, it. we so started talking to each other and we discovered you know that that we actually knew each other a long time ago and uh we got together. I had about 12 guitars when we got together. And um, now I have about 85 guitars. And um, and she's been, she's bought me most of them, almost all of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so cool. So that you, you probably have like, like, a, like we have gun rooms all set up. You, you, you have four times as many guitars as guns. So you have a guitar room. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I've got guitars. My the front room where I'm at right now, there's a there's about twenty guitars in there. Yeah. <laughs> and cool. then we we have a music room. I always had a music room, but you know can't get in it right now. Kind of there's too many guitars in the way. But yeah, the first when our very first date, she shows up with a guitar case in her hand at a restaurant and. uh I said, you know, what you got there? And she goes, oh, this is your guitar. I said, what do you mean my guitar? She goes, well, it's a guitar I'm going to give you, you know. And uh, if... Wait, if, on your first date, you said? Yeah, first time, yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a good first date. Mm -hmm. Wow. And it, it's, a, uh, it's a Gibson Les Paul that Joe Walsh gave to her. And, uh, <laughs> is yeah. that all it is? Yeah, she did some session work with Joe, and and he gave her that guitar in '98. So, yeah, but it's really beautiful. Oh my gosh, beautiful Les Paul, and uh, and it's uh, uh, and but you know she just brought it in just nonchalantly. Oh yeah, yeah. here. If 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 uh, we decide we hate each other and you never want to see me again, that's fine. This is your guitar. You know, it's just you know. I mean it's tough to beat that move. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> that beat please be 18 all the hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this rack's got a bunch of Les Pauls and uh, ES335s and my 
Jazz Master, a couple Stratocasters, and a couple Stop. SGs that. Uh, so the band stopped, but you haven't stopped. So no. are you are you playing out publicly and stuff? No, nah, no, I haven't. Uh, I I played, you know, guest starred with some people uh, uh, occasionally, but no, I, we haven't. Uh, Deb's father's ninety three years old, and he's been a professional musician since he was fifteen. And he still tours, actually. Wow. So, uh, but and uh, do, you, do you record at home? Anything? Um, no, not we have the capability of doing it, but we haven't had much of a much of a, a chance to stay home and and do anything like that. But you know, I still keep my chops and play play uh, uh, basically, you know, keep my chops up and and play. Uh, quite a bit, like right, that's an hour a day or something, you know. But, but uh, yeah, the room I'm in right now has got about, uh, I guess, about 55 guitars in it, and uh, and a bunch of amps, you know, stacks of Marshalls and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> stacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for getting the mill serves. I know. Yeah. Guitar is a real treasure here. Yeah, yeah. I figured I could do that, you know, if if this uh uh if the coin thing didn't work out or if the, if the milk thing doesn't work out, I can still, you know, that was go, next. go play on cruise ships or something, you know, uh-huh. good department there. Yeah. I've done that actually, but yeah. You know, bad hell? gig sometimes for a young kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're old, old guys old guy looking for something to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free cruise. <laughs> But right, right. All right. So what we're going to do here is that we have what's called the wheel of Millsurf. Uh-huh. On it is a bunch of things like, do I buy this, this or that? Make this trade? Would you rather? So there's a bunch of prompts. All you have to do is decide which is the better option of the options. Simple. Okay. All right. I'll spin. There's my real wheel. Wow. And it lands on make this trade okay for this category you just have to decide whether or not the person should make this trade involving two mediocre milser firearms so so person a let's say he's a previous customer he calls you up for a little advice he has a lee enfield number four rifle but it's been forced into a jungle number five configuration jungle carbine right so it's fake but it's of number four and he has a bayonet also. Person B wants to trade for that gun and bayonet with his, which we talked about before, his home-assembled Lee Harvey Oswald-inspired, scoped but fake M38 Carcano. But it's in 7.35, so it's not the 6.5. And it's not even the right site. It's a, it's a repro site that's not even the, the same uh, optic ordnance site or whatever he used. Right. So... You think that person A should make this trade for the Lee Harvey gun or keep his Enfield, his fake Enfield? Keep his Enfield. See, he, I, I, see, he is an Enfield guy. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quick answer. <laughs> yeah. So what is it? You, it's, you don't like the, uh, the Carcano with the scope on it? In 735? Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd answer the same. Keep the infield. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is a number four still, even though it's smashed up. What, how do you feel about that? Like, do you, you'll just resell it and say, this is obviously a number four, not a number five. I probably, I, I wouldn't buy it, but. <laughs> okay. I've got, people, I've got people that will buy stuff like that if it's cheap, you know, it's just like, uh, but I'm not going to put it on our website because, no. <laughs> got to keep the quality stuff on them. Yeah. All right. All right, we just got a couple more things here. We're almost done here. We uh, some of the stuff we touched upon actually. We um, if you're gonna in the future sell accessories or go into ammo or uh, military of any kind. Uh, no, definitely not ammo because we stopped selling ammo 20 years ago for a reason. Uh, it's too much of a pain in the ass to ship. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it gets heavy. Heavy. And the military. Uh, uh, I I've been to like a lot of the the showy shows type of things and and um and you know like ninety percent of what I see is fake so um yeah that's a whole a whole market of fake people fake it shit you figuring out what's not fake yeah 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 too much too many landmines too many yeah. landmines yeah not 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 interested in that at all you know and, uh, for your own personal collection do you do you need the accessories? Do you need the slings, the 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 correct bayonet, the muzzle covers, the you know, the the holsters for the pistols? Uh not really. I mean if they if if they if I bought them with them, that's you know when when I buy uh guns, you know, I don't take slings off and I don't, you know, like take the cleaning rods. I had this guy that offered me about 35 Arasakas, and I gave him a really fair offer on them. And he says, well, let me think about it. This was a show in Fort Worth. And he said, let me think about it. And, and then about an hour later, he came over and he says, okay, I've decided to accept your offer, you know. I walk over there, and he had taken the, the uh, cleaning rods out of every single rifle. What? And I said... <laughs> Hey, where's the cleaning rods? And he goes, oh, I sold those for $75 a piece. That's how I can afford to take your offer. And I said, I don't want them. I'm not going to buy them at all. I wouldn't buy them for a, for a dollar a piece. You know, absolutely not. <laughs> and so I yeah. wouldn't buy a single one of them from him. Even the ones, there, there were several and never had cleaning rods. I wouldn't buy them from him at all. Nothing, you know, for doing that. You know, it's stupid. Yeah, it's a little, a little shady. Yeah. And I've had people take slings off and, and, uh, oh, uh, no, I don't do it. If I, if I buy it with a cleaning rod and a sling and, and, uh, you know, front side hood, and it, that's how I'm going to sell it. So, but no, I, I, to answer your question, if I, um, if I have, if I bought it and, and it has a holster with it, then, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, I wouldn't break them up, but I, I damn sure I'm not gonna, you know, search for a holster to fit that thing. You know, a lot of our friends are big on, like, uh, oh, I still need a bayonet for my O3 and my Craig yeah. and my, and just trying to complete the package, I guess. I don't have a problem with that, but you know, I, I just, you know, we don't, we don't sell bayonets by themselves. You know, if it comes with a rifle, it gets sold with a rifle. So, um, you know, it's just even though some of the things are, 
you know, worth more, the bayonet's worth more than a gun, you know? It's, yeah. At one point, uh, when I had a bunch of SVT-40s, you know, I had uh, a bunch of bayonets, too, and the bayonets were selling for more than the SVT-40 was. So wow. it was kind of uh, kind of weird, but no. Nah. I meant to ask you before when we were talking about the business, but do you, if you see markings that you don't know, do you just look at your resources and then just assume like, do you have outside people? Do you send it to any other people? Uh, not usually. There's, There's very, a lot of people that have like the, the library full, you know, the complete library of everything Millserp that probably could find 90% of the things you're looking for, you know? Yeah. And I've got, I've got a really massive library, my own self, you know, nice. Uh, really do. And, um, uh, I've got basically every book for just about everything. You know, I, I've got a whole shelf of nothing but books on 1911, uh, <laughs> cults, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. So you can find whatever you need. Sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah, so, 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 so when you don't know, you have to just sit there and go through. Yeah. But you know, I've already gone through these books, and like I said, I I pretty much absorb uh, the knowledge uh, pretty fully. So there's not a whole lot that I'll see that I don't recognize or don't know. But cool. uh, there's so much minutiae about you know things like like for instance the M1 carbine. You know there there was a book that came out and. Uh, uh, by Larry, what the hell was his name? Uh, he he came out with a book on M1 carbines where he said this is this is the 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 parts that go on this M1 carbine and stuff like that. And uh, but Larry it was Ruth. wrong. Larry Root, yeah, but it was wrong. He he. Yeah, uh, there's a lot, a lot of wrong yeah, info out there. <laughs> a lot of wrong info, you know. And but but I knew guys who actually like took their M1 carbines apart and went and looked for the the correct parts to make them all 100% correct when they were oh, already yeah. 100% correct. Oh, man. That's just, bad. Like, that's just, you know, that's crazy. But there's so much minutiae out there. But I, I've got about, uh, just on M1 Garands, I probably got a foot and a half worth of books on just the M1 Garands, even though I know... <laughs> Them like the back of my hand, pretty much. But, but um, right, yeah. That was a small little thing. Yeah. Did, did you ever get uh, your hands on any of the gas trap? We just saw one go for. Go, it, it, it's in the new, uh, the latest Pulit auction. Yeah, uh, I've had I've had about a dozen of them over the year. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I've had a, about a dozen great gas traps, and. uh and I've had probably 25 or 30 that used to be gas traps, but got uh, converted into uh, into the modern rifle, you know. But they real early serial numbers and stuff, you know. But I know we're joking about the book a lot, but uh, what about did you ever have a desire to write some sort of gun-related book about anything? Uh, no, I wrote a bunch of books on the coins, on ancient Greek and Roman coins, but no, I haven't. Uh, um, I haven't really had the, the desire to to write any kind of firearm book. No, but 
I I don't <laughs> I don't think people read. Basically, we stopped selling books. We used to sell all kinds of books on on firearms, but you know, about ten yeah. years ago, we 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 turned uh, basically closed that down to where uh, you know we I got a couple of books up there, but but um, but people just don't buy books anymore. So except for me. <laughs> well, yeah, they they started to come back a little bit. It seems like with yeah, a lot of yeah, people getting the hobby. But a lot of people just rely on the internet for free information, and uh, well, a lot of that might be good, you know. But yeah, well, I might be wrong though. Yeah, on ninety-eight Ks alone, I got about two feet of books. <laughs> yeah, they're all big. Well, like, oh, yeah. like like the backbone of the Wehrmacht book, they say now is old, and a lot of that is you can't really trust. Right. You know, so it sucks uh, that they... you know what what you know we he put out the backbone of the Wehrmacht, and it was so full of erroneous information that he recalled all the copies that he could, <laughs> and the ones that the only backbone of the Wehrmacht you can get now is the uh, um, the revised edition. Yeah, the, you can't get an original. The originals are rare as hell. You know, I think there might be five or six out there, but it was so full of of nonsense that he literally recalled them all. And uh, Richard Law, I knew him pretty well, and uh, and he was so embarrassed, so embarrassed. But he basically relied on one of his very very good buddies collection of fake guns <laughs> he relied on it so much that that oops. uh oops yeah no kidding uh. but but yeah it's that has uh, been superseded by uh you know a lot of the carabiner 98k books by Karim and steves yep and those those are really great books you know and you see That's the price those are going for for the yeah. The the first ones especially, yeah, I know, Oof. I know the Kriegs model, yeah, uh, I've I've um, yeah, we we sold those, we had a bunch of them, and all of a sudden, uh, I guess we had about twenty or twenty five of them, and all of a sudden, I mean, I had people trying to buy like five or six of them at, at the same time, and I said, no, I'll sell you one because you know I don't do that, <laughs> I'll sell you one. But uh, you know, I'm, I it, but but we in a, in the space of about two weeks, we sold all of them that we had because we were the last people to have any. So, but yep, uh, like collectors' editions now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I know. It's kind of funny. Uh, the uh, book on Swedish uh, uh, firearms, the Swedish Mauser book, uh, Crown Jewels. That was one of my customers that that wrote that book, and uh, it was funny that when he finally published the first edition of that book, his wife said, "Well, we don't need these rifles anymore, so you're going to have to sell them to Denny Crow." So, <laughs> so I went to a, a gun show in Fort Worth, and he lived in very far More west. Swedish Mausers. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah, all the ones that were in his book. And we bought them all. So, with his wife right there, 
with a whip in her hand. Shouldn't have finished the book. <laughs> <laughs> and then it went out of print, and it was worth so much money that uh, he he reprinted the darn thing. So, <laughs> but it was going for like five six hundred bucks. You know, it was crazy. So you said people people stopped, you know, reading as much, but they are online more, of course. So yeah. do do you? Do who do you like? Do you follow any YouTubers or podcasters or whatever content creators? Like uh, not online, at not wow. at all. Like there's there's the history side. There's people who shoot only. There's people who, you know, do a little of both. Not even my buddy buddy uh, Ian McCallum. I I don't look yeah. at him either. You know? Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't have time to be honest. You know, I'm I'm doing I, I'm traveling a lot. I'm playing guitar a lot, and I'm buying guns here and there and selling the hell out of them. Do you look up uh, guitar people on YouTube? Um, I know most of them. So, uh, you know, we Deb and I take about uh, six or eight cruises a year, and about five of those are music themed cruises That's so cool. there's mo monsters of rock and uh, rock legends cruise and uh, lots of things like that and we know most of the people that are playing on those you know for many 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 years i've known some of them for 50 years so you <laughs> yeah, know that's pretty cool uh, yeah so we it's kind of old home week when we go on these things but we we keep in touch with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people in the music business as well. All right. So it seems you are a musician slash music fan who on the side has a Milser firearm <laughs> business. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, you would maybe think you would be defined by the guns and stuff, but it seems you're more defined by the music, which is cool. Well, it's, it's kind of a... It's better in 2023, but you know it's safer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, uh, I don't, I you know, I'm still, we we, I still buy a lot of music and stuff like that, a lot of uh, CDs and things like that, and uh, and stay in touch with a lot of musicians and, uh, you know, I'm like I said, you know, I wrote a lot of, of books about ancient Greek and Roman coins, you know. To, there's one of them that's on our book page uh, that's the standard reference for. Do you still get an email now and then from some coin guy asking yeah. you? Oh, yeah, all, all the time. I, museums, stuff like that. You know, they cool. They call me a lot. And even, you know, other dealers call me a lot and uh, ask me questions because I was, you know, the, the rain man they used to call me. Uh, All right, see, see, that would be great in a movie. We we got to get this made. This whole story, <laughs> I yeah, the whole coin chapter, music chapter. Right, picture him. He's he's like the wild Vietnam vet coming out, and he has to put on the suit to sell the coins, and then he says, "Fuck this, I'm not selling coins anymore." That's right. Right, he throws it down. The music plays, and it's the, that igloo song. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd be so good. And then uh, you film it on location in Sweden and all these different places. Auctioning in San Cruz. Right, there's a whole Vietnam flashback part where we go back. Yeah, I don't have flashbacks. 
thank goodness. Lock that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it's not the right word. Oh, you, you killed with a steady hand. I could tell from the story you told. <laughs> you had a steady hand. Well, yeah, I was I was a, a combat more than anything. I uh, my my job was to save lives, not take them. But you know, I wasn't gonna sit there and. and so, how be... many guys did you save? You think? Oh, but... hundreds, hundreds on on both sides. You know. Whoa, uh, but, but like you had to do like straight up movie stuff, like run over, rip open the pouch, throw it on the bl- like it was straight up. Yep. You were that medic. <laughs> I was that medic, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's wild. And plus, yeah, that... you know, I did a lot of hearts and minds stuff. You know, I delivered a bunch of babies and stuff like cool. that, you know, and, and inoculated people for for uh, different diseases and, and uh, you know, I mean, Vietnamese. And, but uh, you, also, you also jammed in the morphine? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. So... Not in myself. It's, it's, it's got to be hard to phase you then at this point. I mean, you can't no, be phased. There's, there's very, very, I'm pretty much unfazable. That's, that's for, <laughs> for sure. I yeah. can see why. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were able to handle it. So what did you, you didn't like it. Why didn't you stay further in the, in the armed forces? Why did you even come out? Um, I got my third purple heart. <laughs> I got blown out of a helicopter at, 200 feet above a rice paddy so you know 19 broken bones later they didn't have any use for me so oh my god yeah that'll do it that'll do it and 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 you're how old uh i was 20 20 holy shit yeah kids today at 20 are kind of have the same experience that you have (laughs) uh no actually yeah Yeah, no i don't think so not at all no and that was my third that was my third helicopter crash, so no. <laughs> oh but, my god! Yeah, you kept you. You couldn't. Maybe that's why you thought you were invulnerable. You couldn't be killed. Uh oh. No, I've been in three plane crashes too. Wait, what? Still wanted to still wanted to fly? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, were you flying when it crashed, or was the uh, only one of them? Only one of them. The other two were were commercial jetliners, but uh. What the. Not many people could say I've been in multiple crashes. I know. <laughs> crashes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, it was just, you know, both both instances where the the, uh, the landing gear wouldn't go down. And, uh, uh, you know, so they foamed up the runways and, and uh, the plane dumped all their fuel about over the ocean and then came in for a landing and get into a stop and ruined everybody's luggage, you know. <laughs> So I wouldn't even put this in the movie because it wouldn't be believable at this point. Oh. You'd be like, oh, great. Now the plane is crashing. All right, sure. Yeah. Another one. Another one. I figured, you know. People, <laughs> people ask me, aren't you nervous about flying uh, 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 in airplanes these days? I'm going like, hell no. What are the chances? I mean. What are the chances? It happened to you three times. <laughs> what are the chances of a fourth time? <laughs> yeah. What are the chances that it could happen four times? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh shit! All right, gentlemen. I think we covered it all. What do you think, Kelly? So I think the last couple of questions we had were about the future of Empire Arms. Yes. Mm. So do you you plan to just keep on doing this as long as you can, or are you gonna retire or maybe hand it off to somebody else? Well, I I actually considered retiring um, 
when when my uh, when my previous wife Desiree was was uh, you know circling the drain and uh, oh, Jesus gonna, Come on, Dennis. Gonna retire and uh, and and uh, I I gave it serious consideration but when I met Deb she decided that hey this is fun let's let's keep doing this so so she's uh, but you know I've already retired I basically retired from the military and retired from music. I try retired from the coin business. And, uh, you know, so this would be my fourth retirement. And, uh, I don't think, uh, I, I think I'm going to continue to do this until I can't do it anymore. And I'll know when that is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Deb, for keeping it going. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank she... you. Will you ever shave the mustache? No. You're gonna, you're dying with the mustache. You're saying it now. Uh huh. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it got it got shorter after COVID because of the, uh, uh, you know, wearing the stupid mask. It kind of stumped its growth, but <laughs> oh no, really it did. The sun. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's doing a lot better now. Well. <laughs> It might not be quite as pronounced because I I'm kind of getting a little gray there. So, just to confirm, you said you still owned the heart sequined crotch pants and the uh, no. blouses. No, what? no, I don't. I don't. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. They they got they got lost somewhere along the way. Some lucky, <laughs> some lucky guy got them. Or girl. Or girl. <laughs> Yeah, so that's twenty six. Yeah, yeah, really. I couldn't even get one leg in them now. I don't think. Dennis, you're living the life here, you know. Yeah, I know. Nope. And if anyone that listens to this, they're gonna say this is a good, honest man. They'll <laughs> you, you'll get more people to sign up for your uh, for their wives to call you when they die. I think too. Yeah, just more customers. <laughs> well, you have that. Many website, thousands, yeah. many thousands. We got over twenty six thousand customers on our that get our our emails, and many thousands of them have have us in their written in their wills. So, all right. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you giving us your time and your stories, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure having you. Oh well, thank you. I I hope I didn't bore you too badly, but oh no. no. <laughs> But uh, but just ignore it when you see the unauthorized bio of Dennis Crow come out. Oh um, my! Because I think I have enough to put out the uh, the small version. Uh huh. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Hey. It's been a gas, and hopefully we can do this again. All right. Yes, definitely. Love to. And thanks to your wife for putting up for. Uh, Taking you away from for so long. Oh, not a problem. And enjoy that next trip, right? You're going on in a couple of days, I think, again. Yeah. Yep. We're going to Lima. Lima, Peru. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, one step at a time, you know. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, safe travels. Yep. Uh, safe travels. All right. Take care. Bye.